Alrighty, this week's pod, Bull Durham, coming right up for you in a moment. Uh, just the usual spoiler warning going right in, that if you haven't seen this film and you would like to see it without any of our unfiltered thoughts about the film, you should watch that first and then come back to us for a um, very long and in-depth chat about um, one of our favourite films, Bull Durham. Alrighty, let's get into it. You lollygag around the podcast microphone. You lollygag to the fridge. You lollygag to the TV. What does that make you, Shay? A lollygagger. A lollygagger. How many beers did you drink last week, Shay? Between eight and sixteen. Eight and sixteen. How do we ever record a podcast? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. What do you believe in there? Well, I believe in the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last for three days. Oh, my. Who are you? I'm the player to be named later. I love winning, man. You hear what I'm saying? It's like better than losing. These are the ground rules. I hook up with one guy a season. Usually takes a couple weeks to pick the guy. Kind of my own spring training. It's cold in here. You think Dwight Gooden leaves his socks on? God, sucker teed off in that like he knew I was going to throw a fastball. He did know. I told him. Honey, yeah. I want you to wear these when you're pitching on the road. They're garters. Rose goes in the front, big guy. Love is a lot like baseball. It's not whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. No problem, no problem, no problem. Kevin Costner. Get hit, crap. Shut up. Susan Sarandon. Have you ever been tied up in bed? Tim Robbins. Woo-hoo! I'm too old for this. Bull Durham. Alrighty, Pints and Popcorn Podcast. Back at you with another week. I got Shay on the line as per usual. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am here. I think a few beers less than we were already at this point last week. Cause yeah, were... that just caught me off guard. <laughs> I knew we were going to podcast, but it, uh, that night caught up to me. Yeah, real quick. we have those ones occasionally. I've definitely... <laughs> our other iterations of podcasts, are just, there's some sports ones where I, I literally do not remember them. So, yeah. I don't remember seeing the California uh, song. And then you use that to market our product. So Absolutely. That's you know, it's all about the content. <laughs> <laughs> I was just skipping because I do this, like, you know, I'll re-listen to them afterwards when I'm editing and making sure everything's like, there's no major, you know, sound blips that I didn't pick up on when we were recording or whatever. And I, and, you know, when I'm doing that, I'm looking for the little bits that I can, you know, the minute videos I can put in Instagram. And when, when you started singing Nebraska, I was like, yeah, this is, this is, this is the content. <laughs> yeah. I definitely. I'm capable. Of it that. wasn't that bad. <laughs> I was exaggerating it a little bit there, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Yeah, because I didn't. I only read it in, in the ad. Like I didn't really listen to it because I was like, if I was doing that, I was like, I can't. This isn't. <laughs> I can't do this to my psyche. <laughs> Here's a, some backstory for the uh, for the people that want to know what goes into doing. You know, there's the recording the podcast and getting it uploaded and stuff. And then when I do the ad stuff, um. There's a, a website that I do the those um, little audio things for Instagram through that has a thing where you, you uh, 
create captions for it and it transcribes them automatically for you and then you just go through and edit them to make sure it hasn't got anything wrong. The last, the first couple of weeks of pods that we did, it picked up, it got most of the stuff right. This week, it really didn't because it was like, because we were like kind of drunk and mumbly and we were speaking over on the top of each other at certain points of it. It just had everything wrong. It took me like 45 minutes to get that right. Yeah, the intermission uh, really really got me last yeah. week because <laughs> <laughs> i think we like ended up talking like way longer than like every mission was like over an hour i think yeah exactly <laughs> so we need to not do that tonight but yeah. i'm not saying that the the final segment of this won't be any better but uh, <laughs> yeah you well, know we give you guys a lot of good content at the start yeah well it's, it's end, you know like, it's, if it's... you listen that long then it's a reward yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, it's, it gets it's like a fine wine. It ages. No, uh, well, it ages. <laughs> I will be drinking a uh, twenty sixteen wine tonight, so you know. So good, we'll get there. Good times and bad times for that year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when I went into a different dimension. Now, any single person who's ever listened to this podcast is tuning out. So let's talk about let's talk about the film we've chosen. Yeah. We are very excited for a film that we're doing tonight. Um, Bull Durham, the 1988 uh, baseball film from the director Ron Shelton and Kevin Costner, Tim Robbins, and Susan Sarandon, among others, in the film. And one that. Powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah. And one that, you know, it's a cast that has gone on to, went on to some great, that had done things before, but certainly went on to greater things afterwards, you know. Sarandon at Thelma Louise and her into a lot of films afterwards. Tim Robbins went on to Shawshank Redemption and whatnot. And obviously Kevin Costner's just still going strong. Um, you know, Dances with Wolves. I think Field of Dreams was after this as well. Yeah. So it was and like, then he had Dances with Wolves. And well, not, not yeah. even that, but like um, Field of Dreams and then For Love of the Game, you know, yeah. two more baseball movies as well as Tin Cup. So this kind of like kicked off. Yeah, Tin Cup, which was the Ron Shelton one as well. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, yeah. Kind of, it's almost a sequel. <laughs> in many ways <laughs> we'll do tin cup at some point because i love that movie mm. as well but uh yeah that kind of kicked off costner as a sports film star even though he doesn't like nowadays if they were trying to cast these movies they'd cast like people like the rock or like <laughs> zach efron or something like people yeah. who are jack but like, <laughs> like back then you could just be uh you know crash davis and uh play baseball yeah well that's in the show for 21 days yeah best 21 days of his life well i think that's what's um, believe it the like great thing about this movie is i I said i had some notes about kind of the creation of it um ron shelton said like i just was burning through the extras on the film um as we'll get preparing for this and he said that his idea about sports films is like no one had ever like done a great sports film because they were always written from the fan perspective so you know, the sports fan might want to see The Rock as a baseball player or Zac Efron, but, you know, Shelton, knew, had, he'd been a minor leaguer in the minor league system. He knew the knew the ins and outs of this completely. And uh, and he knew what the like, what it was like to be with the guys and know how they acted and kind of how it was their own little world within our greater world. And he wanted to write a film that was exemplified that rather than what the um, heroic nature of, you know, the, the Hollywood sports film is, you know, a winning home run in the in the top of the, uh, the bottom of the ninth or... Um, you know, Rocky and or Rocky Lee, yeah. But you know, he he just said he wanted to make a film that was a, had ba- it was living in that world, but wasn't actually about you know the 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 big win at the end and all that stuff. It was about just being part of that world, which is not just the baseball, but it's all the other things as well, which is love and all that. Immediately, things. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I no, I get what you're saying though. Like, mm, uh, until <laughs> <laughs> we always know what's coming. Until yeah, I'm sure we'll get to another one. Um, but until this point, like there had been very few, like uh, there was a lot of ro- romance in the sports, or like not the kind of romance that is per se in Boulderum, but like romance about the game mm-hmm. itself. Other than like North Dallas Forty, I think brought like kind of like a true life um, ideology into sports and like allowed sports fans like sports movies before this in North Dallas 40 and films like that were made for wide audiences where these movies were made for sports fans. Mm-hmm. Like sports fans aren't going to be like, as much as I like all of, I don't know. Like I probably like about 50% of sports movies, but the ones that are like really stick out, um, they're still meant for a wide audience that mm-hmm. don't really understand sports. They have bigger themes to them. Whereas this is about the grit and grind of what major minor league baseball is. Yeah, yeah, and, and love obviously, but we'll get to that. Yeah, and that's what um, I, again in the extras, like Kevin Costner, uh, Ron Shelton, and Kevin Costner were talking about how you know Shelton went around with the script a couple of times, um, got turned down, then he got Kevin Costner was uh, agreed to be part of the project, and he was going around with the script with Shelton, and they were right, still struggling yeah. to get it made because they just the exec- studio executives at the time just didn't see baseball as a viable product, and then the way this film was written, they just didn't see it as a, a a way in for the for them to make money, which is you know as much as we want movies, movie great movies are art as well. Um, it is a business and executives to fund a movie, and they, they, it was going to be six or seven million dollars is what their budget was they were looking at, um, which is you know a small budget film, but at the time, again smaller budget but bigger at the time, and and to spend six or seven million dollars on a movie that a studio doesn't see as viable was something they were struggling with. So um, you know it was lucky that. It, got off the ground i think the the producer at universal tom mount who um knew ron shelton and asked and said to him and so this is where i so got to go back to the guy that owned the ball the darren balls at the time bought them in 1979 for two and a half grand but basically sunk all of his money into it and then went around to his friends and said hey like you know anyone want to invest in this team um you know because they were a bit ramshackle at the time and he's over the next i think he owned them from 1980 to 1991 and kind of got them, you know, really put a lot of money into it and helped re- rebuild the just this team as a minor league franchise, let alone get a film made there. But one yeah, of the, well, the flick hurt. Yeah, it's a triple A team now. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the it's one, one of the most successful minor league teams now. Yeah, yeah, not like on the field, but just as far as merchandise and has a nice stadium and everything down there now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he he got in touch with one of his friends to invest, and then. He said to the friend, hey, look, do you know anyone that might want to do the same thing? And he, the friend said, oh, I know this guy that's a, um, I think he was an executive at uh, Universal um, Studios, uh, Tom Mount, who had actually grown up in Durham. And was a, so he, he came out there and invested in the team and said, hey, I'm going to make a movie. Uh, it'll be good to make a movie here one day. And like uh, Miles Wolf, the owner, said, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. And then, you know, seven, eight years later, this guy, they turned up to make a f- film. So it's really cool how it kind of all came together that way. But yeah. Mount basically said to uh, uh, Ron Shelton, um, do you have an idea for a minor league? Because uh, Mount in particular wanted a minor league movie to get because he had the same vision of like showing the grit and grind a little bit. And Shelton said, oh, I've got this idea for um, making a baseball movie using uh, Liz's Strata, which is a Greek comedy from Aristophanes. 
I've already fucked up the pronunciation of that, but it was written during the Peloponnesian Not War. good. It was written yeah. during the Pe- Pel- Peloponnesian War about um, the women. It was a co- comedic drama um, about the women in Greece withholding sex from the men to try and to try and get them to end the war, but then it just created this battle of the sexes. And um, when you read the read the um, description of the play, at certain points the men are walking out on stage with with burdens, which was a fancy word for boner. Um, <laughs> I was going to say it, yeah. Right. <laughs> but this is the basis of Ron Shelton had this idea that I want to make a baseball movie with this as the background, and that straight away is just like shows the bait. He said all I had was I've got a pitcher, catcher, and a woman, and this this Greek comedy in my head, and I don't have anything else. I just know I want all this stuff to be part of this movie, and Tom Mount said, all right, go, go and write it. I like it. Go and write it. F- figure it out. And when you look at that as a base idea for a baseball movie, that's where you and and the guy that's writing it played minor league baseball. All those things coming together, just like before. If I just heard that, I would have been like Tom Mount. I'm like, yeah, I want to see this movie because there's such a depth of. I mean, no one else. I can't imagine anyone else looking at this Greek comedy from the pre, pre you know, four eleven BC and saying, oh yeah, that's going to be a baseball movie. But that's why these guys get and you know Ron Shelton got nominated for an Academy Award for the screenplay in the end. So you know. The basis of this movie was, you know, and just brilliant. I, I love re- hearing about all those stories about how this thing just came about even before we get to the film itself. All that stuff is just brilliant. It just shows that there was the right people behind this movie. And it is a thing where a lot of stuff now, like that we don't realize, like it, almost everything is based in Greek mythology yeah. or Roman mythology, which is just, you know, an updated version of Greek mythology. Um, and we can go back to last week's Rushmore. Like we're dealing with the same kind of dynamic here, which is kind of funny that we chose them this way because I'm I didn't realize it. I'm sure you didn't either. When halfway we were going halfway in during the week, I was again. like, "We're doing love triangles again." <laughs> love triangle with a young guy and an old guy. Yeah. And the young yeah, and the young guy's going on to do great things, and who knows about the old guy? And the woman is just the woman, mm-hmm. which is how movies were written back then. Which I don't totally support now obviously but uh i do think ron shelton uh in in liz estrada was about you know women being strong and and having some power um and i think you know right. you can say what you want about susan sarandon's character about um but she you know she's a strong she says she's you know you're a strong independent woman you make your own decisions and i think it's actually quite you know even if you think that the, the her sleeping with a a player every year um, is good or bad as far as women in film goes. Um, she's completely making her own decision. I think there's actually, it might be hidden a little bit, but I think the, the women in this movie are great and quite strong characters um, considering it's a very male-dominated world. Um, I think they do a great Especially job. back then, yeah. Yeah, I think it's quite a, we talked about Rushmore being ahead of its time. I think Bull Durham is very, very contemporary still, like in the sense of, how relevant it, it seemed ahead of its time for a sports film to be made in the late 80s. It's pretty timeless. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of stuff going on there. I mean, there's some... I mean, I'm not going to try to uh, nitpick early on in this because <laughs> like, I've, I've watched this movie my entire life and I think it's great. There are obviously stuff that I would get to. Mm. Um, but some of the... I mean, just some of the stuff where it, that it's not contemporary is just kind of like how... You know, we used to not use like womanly or like gay or stuff like that to, you know, denote like that you were a weaker man. Or mm-hmm. we used to do that, and now it, it's obviously not acceptable. But it's mm-hmm. also like 
I can't imagine now making a sports movie without using that still because the sports world is so like that. I hate to tell that to like everybody, but when you're like in that masculine environment and probably even in, I've obviously never played women's sports, but I'm sure the shit talking gets pretty gnarly in there too. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, it's just part of it, unfortunately. And it's just, part of the game you just kind of like when you're watching any given sunday which we'll do at some point it's like yeah it's like yeah they're using this this dialogue on purpose to show you that these people are not like fully formed functioning adults they're you know it's an entirely (laughs) different world yeah yeah Yeah. so this yeah but this was an honest look at the sports world it's not rudy it's not hoosiers it's not this it's not that it's Mm. boulder it's what a lot of sports stories should be and are. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, uh, trying to think of the right way to go into it first, um, one of my favorite parts about the movie is actually the sports scenes, even though, you know, the the core story of the film really isn't about the sport itself, but the baseball scenes are good. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it is. It's about it all come, but I think the baseball scenes are brilliantly filmed. Um, just watching it the last over the last week again, um, trying to keep an eye on a few things now that I know. I've watched it a fair bit over the... Interestingly enough, just a side note, the first time I watched this film was on Shay's recommendation when we were talking about uh, movies at the pub because I'd never seen... I grew up in Australia and baseball movies just aren't big here in the same way they are in America. So it was never on my radar here. It was on Netflix in America and I asked Shay about it at the pub. Pints and popcorn. (laughs) We We genuinely started... All our movie chat started over beers at the pub, but... Yeah, I watched it on Shay's recommendation back in, I think, 2013, and I've watched it a lot since because I just loved it. And so I knew the film pretty well. So this week, watching it a couple of times just to refresh for the pod, I was watching little things like cinematography and as well as just the, just keeping an eye on, like just really watching the performances. And yeah, the one thing, it's subtle, but like just the camera movements and the way he films the players' conversations as well as the hits and the and the actions and all that stuff is just really impressive. I really, you know, they're not trying to, doing anything crazy they're just filming these scenes very honestly and and showing the sport and, and as they do everything in the film just at, at, from a raw perspective of knowing the sport as they do i will counter that with there's a couple um scenes where kevin costner crash hits a ball and it's clearly like gonna drop like it should drop in for a single oh, right, yeah. <laughs> or like in the cab and they like like somebody threw a ball over like where it's <laughs> like, like a home like, run yeah the bowl. Like, yeah. it's just like oh, all right <laughs> but other, like, i love the little like it's clear that the director knew baseball really well mm. i love the little intricacies of that of of crash going up to the plate and we, we talked about this earlier this week via text like crash going up to the plate and if you have a clouded mind like you're not gonna like you have to focus so hard to hit a baseball especially in whatever i don't even know what level of baseball they're supposed to be in i'm guessing double a i think it was single he says like at the start of the well thing. he says a ball but you're not calling up new hulu from a ball yeah yeah majors but maybe for september i don't know maybe but uh it was pretty low but i just figured double a because i a triple a now yeah. but that was i mean it's 2020 now so 32 years later but mm-hmm. Just like Nuke giving up the home runs and like, you know, them like getting a ball back or like him giving up runs and them getting a ball back and Crash walking out to the pitcher's mound and Nuke putting his glove out to get the ball Mm -hmm. and Crash puts his glove out to get the ball and he always gets it instead of Nuke. Mm -hmm. Like that is baseball to it. Like that, like that, 
that's just a young team respecting that crafty veteran who it seemed everybody liked on that team, especially after he knocks out or not knocks out, but knocks down Nuke right away when they meet. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like oh, we might have something to learn from this guy, but that's just so baseball. It's just like <laughs> Nuke just like give me the ball, and Crash just like ball, and it just goes right <laughs> to Crash every time. It's just so funny to me. Like like it's those little things that really made this movie like seep into my soul as a baseball player when i was younger and just as a baseball fan as an adult yeah and that's it um again from the extras they said they really the set was that they had a like a fair few of the extras were real were real ball players and then they yeah they're minor league baseball yeah and they'd get out and play like costner and um, robbins and all and even sarandon apparently would just get out they'd all just play because uh shelton said he wanted his set to feel like a, a ball club like everyone just pitching in together and and so they'd play ball together and like and that's how they got the the realistic note like realistic play looking plays on the on the on film because they they tried to have everyone they wanted to make it look real and you know so they as you said like the casual fan watching the film may not pick up on all that but it just that's what makes the film so great is like when you have all those little details right it kind of filters into everything else or that that's on the film is because it just makes everything so much more real um I mean, Costner. Yeah, for a sports fan. It's for people who like sports. Like, the storyline, the characters, them filming the sports scenes, it's for people who like sports. One drawback a little bit, and Bill Simmons hits on this a whole bunch when he talked to Costner about this film, but um, Tim Robbins' delivery is a little ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it fits the character, and I think Simmons is just kind of being, like, a little bit... Like, if you grew up with the film, rather, like then see it when you're like in your 20s like Simmons probably did but you grew up with it you're kind of like oh, I could see a pitcher doing that I mean there's been weirder deliveries before yeah I mean and like it kind of like makes sense he has a herky-jerky delivery he throws the ball all over the place yeah like I mean I guess this is a good time to bring up um sadly the guy that this film was based on which is yeah, Steve, talk about it Steve Dalkowski was a Baltimore Orioles like minor leaguer and that's the same system Shelton was in um he passed away today oh, he actually passed away on the 19th at the store 19th of april but the stories just came out the last day um from complications from coronavirus so rip um steve Dalkowski, whoa but you didn't tell me that I, it was literally in the text i had the uh, complications uh, i was skimming the text i guess <laughs> uh, i was working technically. anyway but he, he at the age of 80 um so yeah everyone should still be taking this thing seriously but um he <laughs> it's funny you and me all our 80 year old listeners no i'm yeah. kidding everybody should um, <laughs> you you were, we were talking earlier in the week about the the how lelouch's character in his first game strikes out 18 and walks 18 and we were we were both saying this can't be possible how does that happen the the, the amount of pitches that takes but, 126 alone yeah but those two. steve jalkowski once struck out 24 and walked 18 in a game in a minor league game so all this this was the this was the character that shelton genuinely played uh um, based nuclear Lushon because he said that um, Shelton said that Ted Williams once obviously anyone that knows baseball knows Ted Williams faced Dalkowski in a spring training game and said I never want to pl- uh, face him again and said he's the fastest he's ever faced and this is Ted Ted Williams faced a few decent pitches in his time yeah but he's also out of control and when you're out of yeah. control the ball is faster it's just like it's yeah. just a part of it <laughs> like, yeah, well, he, he hit the mascot once and that that's in, uh, in, again inspired uh, some Bull Durham moments and um he he struck out thirteen hundred and twenty four batters and walked twelve hundred and thirty six. So. Uh, one, 
I'm not surprised he didn't make it to the majors because I bet his arm was about to fall off his body after <laughs> after some of those performances. Two, I would hate to play in the field behind a pitcher like that. Yeah, I've done it. You're just standing there in the outfield, and you're just like, all right, lovely. At least I'm working on my tan, I guess. But it's just like, <laughs> I mean, I think Crash sums it up perfectly. He's like, strike out. Anyway, they're fascist. Yeah. It's like, yeah, <laughs> be more democratic. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Get your fielders involved. And if you see that, like, a lot of great pitchers aren't strikeout pitchers. They know how to get their outs that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. It's just a one, one, and we'll get into how right Crash was about most things and how wrong he was on some other things. But he was mostly right. Mm-hmm. No one's That bad. inner cross-section where they, like, where the grasshopper becomes the master is amazing. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get to. I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the peak of the film to me. But Yeah. But yeah, just that they the, apparently Dalkowski had an odd pitching action as well. Um, so you know, we, we were talking earlier in the week about how like this was a weird, weird writing to have that, but then apparently it really happened. So minor leagues, minor leagues are a different world. <laughs> I've covered minor league baseball; it's a mess. Yeah, <laughs> I've covered. I've covered. It's a mess. It's a mess. I've covered it at the lowest level possible, and it is. I think I was making more money covering it than the guys playing, which is not good. Yeah, which but we still all drank the same. So, yeah, which I, I God knows how many times I brought this book up on various podcasts. But if anyone wants to read about minor league baseball, where no one knows your name, is one of the best books about yeah. it. Um, it's so great. It's a uh, covers. There's a uh, a coach, an umpire, and a couple of players, like hitters and pitchers, and all like spaced out across the book. They go to different chapters and come back to them. And yeah, that book's unreal. Um, you know, really gave me and you. I'd seen Bull Durham a fair few times before I read the book, and then I read the book and watching the film afterwards again gave you a new appreciation for the film and how how well it told the story of what minor league the life in the minor leagues and the bus leagues is. Yeah, I definitely had a Nukulush moment um, with a player who I thought was going to grab the recorder out of my hand when asking a question <laughs> before really doing. It's like it was out there. No, it was like really out there in like a far out kind of tubular way. It's like that kind of, <laughs> that kind of, that's how true to life it is, is. That character would do that. These people do exist, even mm. at the smallest, like these guys are still really into what they do, even if they're playing minor league baseball. Like it doesn't stop them. And the, the ego is just the same if they're playing major league baseball. Crash tells them that later in the film. It's like, look, if you're, you're going to get shelled right away, but you still walk and talk like, you know, you're the best player out there. You gotta and play. I think that's, like, great advice for, like, anything, honestly. Like, I, the world's going to yeah. knock you down. You I know, whatever. You walk and talk. Yeah, when I watched it uh, last night, the, yeah, the line, you got to play this game with fear and arrogance or ignorance. Um, <laughs> you can... <laughs> you can um, you can apply that to any any aspect of life. You've got to be, you know, fear. Fear is often, um, you know, metabolized in the right way as a way of um, acknowledging the situation, and being realistic about things. You've got to respect everything. Understand. Yeah, you, it's about respecting life and whatever you're doing and re- giving it the respect it deserves to know that it's nothing's a given. But you've also got to have the confidence slash arrogance to believe if, if, if you want to do it, you've got to believe that you can do it. And that's that's where the arrogance comes in. So it's that, that line... And that moment, um, arrogance, you hayseed, arrogance. Um, yeah, is, I was my hayseed. Yeah. But I love that because that's when Nuke like, had almost already, not necessarily surpassed Crash on the road, mm-hmm. 
But he was a little bit pat. Like, I don't know. That whole scene is just amazing to me. It was just, like, watching it again the other day, it was just, like, it's such a good scene. About, yeah. like, he captured it so perfectly because the whole movie is about Nuke growing up. At least that's one aspect of the film. And you're just like, he he did it. Like, him, by him, like, doing that to Crash and saying ignorance. Just, to get, Eric, just to get him worked just up. Just to yeah. mess with him. Yeah is what Crash did to him when he was younger. And there's a lot of parallels to what they did to each other. Um, and and it, it was just really well written and really well acted and really true to life, I think. Uh, again, it's about baseball, but it could be about anything in a mentor-mentee relationship right there. Mm. Yeah, and I I think his shower... I was trying to look. I couldn't see it properly, but I think his shower shoes look clean when they're going into his bag in that end scene too. So... <laughs> I was looking for all those little details, and he, and he grabs them out, and they're together. Really, like they're in, like they're, everything's neat coming out of his locker in that scene, which is um, is interesting. He's trying to pack his bag carefully to leave, and, um, and you hey, see he taught him, him how to be a man. Yeah, he like, grabs his shower shoes out, and I was trying to look. You don't really get a good look at them, but they, they looked white, so you know you was, can guarantee that they're clean. Yeah, I think he made his point right away. Yeah, I love that. That that's um yeah. Part of the Costner's performance I love is when he's talking about them earlier in the film. He's like, you know, if you've won twenty in the one twenty in the show and you start letting it grow back, they'll think you're colorful. And the way he delivers, yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. But yeah, there's... you can get a little, yeah, and that's again true to life. Like that is like that's like baseball, and just this whole thing like it's so para- like true to life and parallel with what it takes to you know be successful as a person. It's like. If you're successful, then you can get away with, you know, being a little eccentric. But until you're there, like, you know, buy into what you have to do a little bit. Yeah. Or at yeah, least yeah. buy into yourself and respect yourself. Yeah. And then, you know, and if you're, um, you know, don't ever lose yourself in it. But yeah, eccentricities often are um, often seen as detrimental to a person until and unless they look like they're successful. And then people go, oh, that's just what makes them tick, you know. Yeah, it's horseshit because mine are still being used against me, even though I'm pretty <laughs> successful, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, but no, you're, you're doing it right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, whatever. We don't. We'll deal with that off air after the pod. Because I got some some things to say about some people. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about the people in Bull Durham for now. Um, you know, Nuke's journey is often we'll get we'll talk a fair bit more about Crash, but um, the start of the film really is you know he's um both he meets Crash at the bar and but um and, and what a like, scene yeah what a scene well yeah talk about that like that is such a because he doesn't even know who the guy is at that point and um and you know, it already shows that Crash's insecurities about you know he's not going to dance with any until the young the young red hot catcher come uh, pitcher comes Pitch. in. Yeah. To steal the dance, and he says, "No, I'm going to dance with her now." And then they go outside, and she dances with the clown prince of baseball instead. Um, yeah, that nah. that scene is that scene outside is one that is just power, so simple but so so enthralling to watch. Yeah, and it's so indicative of <laughs> Crash knew exactly what was going to happen. It's mm. just amazing, like he just because he like he was probably that guy at one point too and that's the thing you get like that you get as a guy when you get a little bit older is you see some some younger guys at the bar doing kind of the shit that nuke is is like i'm gonna run this like this is my thing this is my like and you and like we all probably were kind of like that at one point no matter who you are but it's just like way like the way an older guy looks at that is just like 
so you're being so phony you're putting on a false facade to try to like live up to what you expect being a man is but we we all have that humbling moment where it's just like what the fuck am i doing mm. and that was nukes that was the first one you had plenty with crash but that was the first one and it set the tone for i don't think he could i don't know what could have been better in that scene to start off that relationship yeah i think that's perfect because there's like the um he he throw he puts the ball through the window and then you know crash you know ex- escalates it again and um he gets him to draw him in so he can knock him down and uh you know and for crash to just stand there and know this guy with this this absolute incredible heat that is you know make, you know doing the rounds of people talking about this you know picture coming up with this incredible arm to stand there and not blink as this guy throws one that could probably probably do some damage if he's in the right spot yeah. Especially with his lack of control, he's saying throw it at my chest, but it could easily just brain like brain him. So, um, but with you know, his control, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, he goes down on the ground and then Crash goes, you know, I'm I'm your new, I'm Crash Davis, I'm your new catcher, and let me buy you a beer. And it's just like it just starts that relationship off perfectly. Um, because they, and also before that though, Nuke when he's going to try to hit him, goes, "Who the fuck are you, man?" Yeah, <laughs> like like in a curious way. Like, yeah. he's like, who the hell is this guy? Like, I'm, like, almost inspired by him. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm also mad at him. So, yeah, that's a cool little, like, the some, a line that's really stood out to me over the years. Who the fuck are you, man? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, I think it totally encapsulates, you know, where Nuke is at at that point. Even even before that, when, you know, Crash is like, you know, I'm not, I don't fight. And he just, like, he says, oh, you don't fight? You don't, come on, you fucking pussy. Like... Just the way he looks yeah. at him, he's just like this. This man is nothing. And then he gets knocked down by the guy, and he's kind of rolling around on his trash bags, going, "Oh, good punch!" And then you know, he finds out, you know, it's Crash Davis, I'm your new new catcher. And straight away, you know, it's like an it's a fun start to the relationship. But they also there's also some begrudging respect there right away. You know, oh, good punch, like you know, it's part of being yeah. a man is when you get knocked. Like if you get get a punch like that, you know, you can either get back up swinging stupidly, or you can just be like, oh, okay. Yeah, another, um, just to talk about the parallels between the relationship is Nuke throws that ball through the window um, when he's trying to hit Crash, mm-hmm. and later when Crash is drunk, he tries to hit Nuke with a pool ball, which <laughs> is horrifying and shatters, <laughs> shatters a mirror, which is a hilarious uh, Kevin Costner moment as well. Um, yeah, just the way he just, just goes, shit. <laughs> well, that, but then also he's like, his buddy who owns the pool hall is like, yeah what the fuck? And he's like, no, it'll be okay. And it's not a, like, he doesn't yeah. even think about it. He's like, he's I'm talking about, about I'm talking about like, my mirror. <laughs> he's like talking about the mirror and he looks at it and he just kind of like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a mirror. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> well, that's a great parallel scene. Cause it's even on the right both times. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. And then, the cr- and then at like, the end of that scene, crash gets punched instead. He's like, exactly. It's like the crossing of the guards. You really hurt my eye. <laughs> yeah. Oh my eye. <laughs> And yeah, help me up, and yeah. then, and see that's Crash giving it back. To, yeah, it's yeah, just, he's just like yeah. at least going to help me up because that's what Crash did. That you know, he's he held out his hand and said, "I'm Crash Davis, I'm your catcher." And yeah, there is so that's what great writing is is like little details that you know you could watch that movie on the surface and not even pick up on those little parallels between the start and the end of the movie and still enjoy it. But then when you rewatch it and get into it like we have, it's just like that brings a whole new appreciation to the entire process of how the film was constructed because it's just. 
it's so it's so beautiful and it's 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 the artistic approach to making a film and uh, and bringing bringing that level of detail in for the for the um you know the one the person that is rewatching the films because it's often on rewatches you pick up on all these things. Oh, absolutely! And this is what we love about it, and um, that start of that relationship was just uh, you know it was it was back and forth for much of the movie until that scene at the end when they're when um, Newt pack, packs up and they shake hands and finally have absolute respect for each other. Um, you know, see, I don't see it as back and forth. I see it as just like two stars like crossing, going in different directions. Yeah, and they're not necessarily it's going not down. So, and it's up. not even so much back and forth between them. It's just like when Nuke's on the mound in that first—is it the first game when he's just like, "Who the fuck is this guy? I've got a Porsche. I've got like everything." He's like, "Yeah." yeah so it's not even like that. It's just that they don't. They they're trying to. They're working out how to understand each other as the movie goes on. And I think Crash understands Nuke. He's trying to help him understand himself, but then. You know, crash. He underestimates yeah. Nuke. Yeah. Nuke surprises him, which is a great part of the movie. Yeah. So they finally get to the, that point at the end when they they've got you know a true respect for each other. You know, Nuke, Nuke respects Crash for how important he's been to his development. Um, and he he thanks him earlier. There's that point early in the film, like when you know they're on the bus and he says, "Teach me more stuff." Like he's finally at that, that point, he's finally realizing yeah, this guy's teaching. Yeah. I stuff. love winning. <laughs> it's better than you know. It's better than. <laughs> Losing, yeah, you know, winning, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, Crash geez. actually does, which is good of him. Yeah, there is that heartbreaking moment though, like because you do see like the bond growing there and everything. But when Nuke tells him that he's going to the show, you have to figure Crash already knows he's going to the show. That's why he's already like he's in a piss. He's fucking drunk blasted. Mood. Like he's the first time you've ever yeah. seen Crash actually lose control in that film is when he. You know, he, he's having a few beers here and there, like his shower beer after getting tossed. Scotches as well, yeah. Yeah, but he's never truly... Lo- he's always in control of the situation right up until that moment. And you assume he's... Yeah, you have to assume he's heard that and maybe realizing that um, whether he knew... I, well, he knew that the reason he was there was to mentor cra- uh, Nuke because right at the start of the film, like when he when he turns up for his assignment... For his uh, player, doesn't to, want it. Yeah, player to be named later. They say, you know, you're we've got this this hot arm that we need nurtured. So that's the exact reason he's there. So yeah, you have to. They also him. say they took him out of AAA, which yeah. is not good. <laughs> like, that would that would piss you off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, which is you know crashes. I sent you that video from um, Ron Shelton in the um, said that one of the reviews he read about the film was that you know baseball love uh, crash davis loves baseball more than baseball loves him and um you know that's shown right at the start of the film because he wants to at that moment he wants to quit but he just can't quit it because he loves it too much you know he's he walks out saying he's going to quit and then he stops out you know the great shot when batting practice yeah you can see you can see him out the window and he just pokes his head back in and says when's you know you know when's batting practice and he turns up because he loves he loves the game too much he can't give it up and that's another scene where Kevin Costner absolutely kills it is when um, he gets cut and it yeah. just it, it it's just a close up of his face and he's yeah, it's that, a, it's it's, like this a, isn't moving his eyes are barely moving mm-hmm. but it's like fighting off tears barely but still fighting off tears and also just like trying to grasp that this thing is probably over mm-hmm. especially since the manager said you know I put in a good word for you to be a manager yeah or what so. It was just a really great acting scene and something I think we can all relate to when you're just completely, you know, when life literally kicks you in the shin <laughs> and you're just trying to, you can't really rock, wrap your head around it. Yeah, yeah, and that's, um, 
yeah, the slow. There's another moment where I just noticed how great the subtle cinematography, like just the direction that he had in the film, was just that he was able to capture emotions at every moment, pretty much spot on with how he, you know, he just had a slow zoom. There was a slow zoom on Costner's face there as um as the manager's talking off off camera, just you know, like yeah, like, and it mutes it. Yeah, the... there might be there might be a opening at Visalia next year, and you know, this is the toughest part of the job and. And you can tell the manager as well. He, um, the, the one of the other, you know, the sideline performances in the film, but we'll get into those later as well. Is like how good all the characters were in this film because he really, you do feel that the manager's not enjoying that moment. He has that moment earlier in the film, and you can tell it's that one's more of a run of the mill one, but he still doesn't enjoy it. But this one, he's just like, you know, he says, Crash, we had a great year. Like, you can tell the manager enjoyed that year and saw there was something special to him about the year and the group of guys that they had once. Once they started winning, then once they stopped lollygagging around, um, <laughs> and that that this was a tough moment because the manager realized this was the end of this year for him, kind of in that sense. This special run they had with this, you know, hot arm that's gone to the majors now, and they they've had the organizations had to make the change because they don't need crash anymore. It's just like you know the end for every all of them. You know, it's yeah, it's the end of the sport. Do you think it's another? Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just saying it's the end of the kind of sporting aspect of the film, really, because apart from seeing Crash hit his record-breaking home run for the Asheville Tourists, I think it was. Tourists. Yeah. Um, those are some clean kits, by the way. Um, They're all right. Yeah. <laughs> those Cubs ones are terrible, but <laughs> uh, that, when they're playing against them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's clear that it hurts the manager, but it also just shows how, like, how much of a doggy dog business it is that he literally says the exact same he you know yeah. he's had to cut a million players and he says like the same and you see this in like shows like hard knocks or like sunderland till i die which they don't really get into or like last chance you or whatever but it's like these coaches have these cliches that they have to say in tough times so like i thought that was really realistic to life and how it and how yeah like you know, the coach probably feels really bad, but I feel like he's also a little numb to it at that point. Cause he's saying like, he's not really personalizing it as yeah. much as he, like he's literally saying the exact same thing he says every time. Yeah. I guess he just has, so while I'm sure it hurts him a little bit, but yeah. And probably more so with crash. But, um, I do think, I think the director used that as a tool to show like, Hey, this is, you know, dog eat dog, you know, yeah, no one's immune. Go off at the ankles. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to be a major or minor league baseball player. Yeah, so. and it's and it's totally like, and the fact that the minor leagues exist purely, you know, they're they're always trying to win down there, especially like the, you know the guys that once they become career minor league guys, like that is their career. So, but then well, the managers when the players don't give a shit about winning, they want to go. To the, you know, that's the whole thing about minor league baseball is the players don't care about winning; they want. You know, I'm sure some of them do. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. Like, like ones sure. like Crash know that their major league career is over, so their only chance of winning something is down there. And you, know, you Crash loves the game. You know, when he walks in and and he's getting introduced to Larry, and Larry goes, "Who's this guy?" And he says, "You should remember me because you know back yeah. back what four years ago I hit a t- you know two three like you know, and we won the game four three like you hung. Yeah, I should have thrown a slider. <laughs> How's it going, Crash? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. yeah, they yeah, but some of them care. But they like they make a point of letting you know that this is a young team, and it's mm. clear like that's why that shower scene is so important. When he throws the bats, they're eight and sixteen, and all the guys are like joking in the shower and like you know having a good time. And Nuke has his quadraphonic blow plop, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
you know, it's all about they're just young. They don't care about winning. They're yeah. just playing professional baseball and you know, and trying try, to hook up and, with and, Millie. Yeah. Millie which is, <laughs> is is great. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Um, Millie. Yeah, we we can get into it like her after the intermission in a little bit here, but um we touched on Larry. Uh that is yeah, yeah. one of the all time great underrated. Players. Yeah. Um his audition apparently was he walked in apparently just was at a hundred miles an hour like he is as the as the character obviously and apparently after he walked out the um the one of the assistant audition guys or whatever was there with Shelton and said I'm sorry that was like one of the worst auditions I've seen and Shelton goes yeah that wasn't great he's perfect <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's yeah. how he got the role is, he uh, is perfect like he's great like who else is gonna play that role you need that guy who's always wrong but the loudest except he's like. Oh my God! So he's underrated. the perfect. He's he's a well, he's a pitching. Co- he's just he's a perfect assistant coach in a, like because he just does. He he's a perfect bounce off for uh, for the coach, um, and he just does all the. He just you know, when when the the pitching the convention you know it looks like they're going to call the roll. Um, you know he goes <laughs> he goes like he's laughing about it and the coach says get out there and see what's going on and he w- runs out there and goes what's yeah. going on out here like he just. Yeah. He dives into he dives into coach mode when he needs to, and he just does everything yeah. right, and you know, he fixes the situation. And he handles that scene perfectly. Yeah. And when I was growing up, like I mean, his delivery of it, of like answering those guys, was always my favorite. But now it's Crash going, "We're dealing with a lot of shit." Yeah, <laughs> like, that's always been like, that's just... always been my favorite. How Crash says he's like, uh, "We need the head of a li- what is it a, a live rooster." Uh yeah, <laughs> so take, the, take the curse off Jose's yeah. glove. Uh, and no one seems to know what to get Millie for. Uh, nukes, with a, yeah. A, yeah, yeah, nukes eyelids. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nukes eyelids are messed up, and his old man's here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we need the head of a rooster, live rooster. Yeah, and uh, nobody seems to know what to get Millie for. <laughs> and then just that like pause both. he does, and then goes. We're dealing with a lot of shit. Like it's just, yeah. We're dealing with a lot of shit here. <laughs> I said to you, I said to you in text that Costner's performance is like powerhouse. You know, Costner's like later career. He's like you could say, like you know, in Draft Day, which is just cliche after cliche. It's strange. Like it's one of those. Hey man, it, it's guilty a, pleasure. That's what that that's was a, made for non-sports fans. Yes, so that's the movie you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we we love it as well because it's like it's a guilty pleasure. You still like of, all sports movies as sports fans because yeah. they're about sports, but they're it's not made for you. Yeah, and uh, but he's got that gravel voice, and he seems to be just bouncing between cliche. He does like he's perfect for that movie because he does exactly what's. What happened to Costner's voice? Yeah, because I'm watching this movie, and he's like obviously like just just at the peak of his powers. He's his facial expression almost squeaky. Yeah, and like just the way he like rate like he changes his tone of voice. Like like I said, like when he's like you know talking about the shower shoes, and he's like then they'll think you're colorful, and like. And then when he's talking to the hitter, when you know he's trying to throw the hitter off with um, Nuke, when he's actually having a decent game, and he goes and tells Nuke to throw it at the throw the ball, the mascot, and then the guy says he's crazy. He's like, God, this guy's crazy, and he just looks at him and goes, you know, he's like, Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dig in if I were you. And Nuke's just laughing because yeah. he hit the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and then like Costa just looks at the guy and goes, I don't even know where they're going. Like just his delivery, he was. He honestly didn't at the start either. Yeah, exactly. But now he's just he's so he's so he's such a good catcher for Nuke and he's tra- he's got him they they've got a connection at that point and they know exactly and he's kind of like and Nuke's just trusting him too which is like you know their battle throughout the movie a little bit was like teaching Nuke to trust the catcher and trust the calls that are coming but 
Yeah, including throwing it, just throw it at the mascot for a second just to throw this guy off. <laughs> like, yeah. Why not? I mean, it's just another, I think it's true to life. You don't want to dig in if somebody's wild like that. Yeah. Like Ted Williams said. Yeah, which, yeah, which, yeah. You look at the stats of Dalkowski, he's, uh, yeah, <laughs> he never knew where they were going, I don't think. Yeah. But I will, there is one, see, and I texted you about it. I didn't tell you what scene I'm wait, it was. Yeah, I've been waiting for this. Mm-hmm. You'll probably like it. You probably like the scene that I'm talking about, but it's the first time where Crash tells the hitter what's coming. Tells him it's going to be heat because Nuke wants to announce his presence with authority, something I still run through my head all the time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> especially just anything. Uh, that, that, that by the way, is one of the great film scenes because they show Nuke kind of charges out to does that crash like i'm gonna, I'm gonna like, get to the <laughs> and then like so the camera kind of comes to them and as like nuke charges out and then like crash is charging at him so nuke's walking backwards going i'm gonna ch- i need to announce my thing with authority and like the camera's just moving with them as they're walking perfectly and you can see that like everything moving with them i was just like that that's just so yeah. perfectly filmed but yeah why I, are you I, shaking me off dummy <laughs> <laughs> calling him dummy is so perfect like oh it's like such a good burn right there yeah it's just perfect <laughs> why are you shaking me off dummy but mad but when he like when nuke's like it's like he knew it was coming and crash is like he did and nuke looks at him and he's like I told like he like it's like a it's almost it's like a gossip girl scene or something like it's like because I told him it's like he yeah, should have just I done it I didn't read it that way I guess but that was so what what do you think he should do you think he shouldn't have told him or I think like the second time he does it <laughs> he just handle it that way like the way he does it is just so like teen drama and it's like kind of like drops your shoulder and it's like because i told it like, i don't know it just i think he's like... just trying to make it he's just trying to say like you either listen to my calls or i'm gonna tell the picture and that's like because then tell the picture tell the hitter because yeah later on in the film when he does it and he walks out and like nuke's still watching the ball just going <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah you told it you, you told it you told him didn't you he's not watching the ball he's thinking about how yeah. he knows crash told him yeah but he's kind of looking in the direction of where it went and he's just staring and just like yeah he's just like you told him and he's like yeah Man, that that got out of here in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't shake off your catcher. Yeah. In a, when you're throwing a two hit shutout. Another great costume moment when he's just like, yeah, anything goes that fire. Should have had damn shoot a son it, don't you think? And he's just like <laughs> yeah. chuckling as he says it. He's like, this is fine. Like, you know, he's he's yeah. he's a teachable moment. And he's kind of see the humor in it, and they just go, yeah, <laughs> you having fun yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good line too. Yeah. When you're getting your ass kicked in baseball, which I've done plenty. Uh, just, uh, remember, my dad used to always say that. Try to say that. You know, as long as you're having fun, I'm like, I'm obviously not having fun <laughs> running around the outfield all fucking afternoon chasing baseballs. Yeah, and then I, going like over three with a walk at the plate. <laughs> I had a cricket game a couple of months ago that. Uh, <laughs> oh, I I haven't had that many chances to actually take a catch in cricket because it doesn't get like. But this guy that was like, he was a true veteran of the, uh, apparently used to play for a club and was like, used to play at a top division. Now he's in the, our division, which is the bottom one. He, he hit one. He was on about 30 runs at the time. Real Crash Davis himself. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, but I, <laughs> he hit one to me like high up in the air and I just lost it in the sun and, and I saw it. But like, Oh, come I, on. I dropped, I dropped the catch and then he went on to make 150. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but. 
Well, it means he made I a lot. Assume it's bad. Yeah, he made a lot of runs, and so we we like lost by a lot, I think. Um, but like, I just I, for the rest of the day when I'm chasing this guy, hitting ball after ball over the boundary of the field, just thinking about how I dropped the catch when he was like on a low amount of runs, and I was just like, this, I'm not having fun right now. <laughs> um, it sucks. Yeah, and it's and it's obvious the cricket's very similar to baseball in the fact it's played in the heat of summer, so you know it's hot and I'm sweating and and you're wearing and like the, that long... you can overthink little moments. Yeah, because I thought about that and I still think about it now. So. <laughs> yeah, baseball lends itself to that really well, and uh, I think that's why it lends itself so well to movies and literature and art. Really, mm-hmm. is that it is such a thinking man's game because there is so much downtime and there is so much um, time. You know, I used to stand in the outfield if I was coming up first, second, or third next inning, and that's all I would think about. I wasn't thinking about fielding at all. It's so mental. Mm. Whereas, you know, a lot of these games, whether it's your footballs, your basketballs, your Australian rules football, like, it's really like you don't have time to think. It's like if you think, you're going to get your ass kicked. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, yeah cricket's the same. You just stand, you're, if you're fielding in the same spot, it's like, you're doing the same thing for three hours and it's just like the ball's going to come. If it coming to you, you have to, you've got doing the same motion every time and you've got to concentrate. And then, and then if you have a moment where you kind of like crash, go onto the plate and you just, you wander off for a second. You're like, wait, what's going on? Wait, I need to get my head back straight. Like, and then you're thinking if the ball gets hit to you in that moment, it's, you're going to fuck it up. Cause you weren't ready. You weren't set right. And yeah, it's, um, yeah, I did that. Uh, I told you as a backup quarterback of my sixth grade, uh, <laughs> Sixth grade midget football team. Um, They—that's what we called Pop Warner in uh, Nebraska. So midget, (laughs) but uh, it makes more sense. I asked a girl out previously today, and it's all I could think about. And my coach was like, "Hey, why don't you run scrimmage tonight?" And I was like, "I don't really want to." Well, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Get the the broad out of your head, eleven-year-old chair. Whatever it was. Yeah, I said girl at the time, I think, but I remember literally like so vividly in my brain. It's like, you know, those memories you have burnt in your brain, like what you were seeing. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember the park that we practiced at. It's a dog park now, but I remember it walking up to the line, looking to my right, yellow face mask, thinking about this girl named Keaton, who I had asked, don't, <laughs> wild, wild name drop, but um, earlier in the day. And I'm about to go under center. I'm like, get her out of your head. Because <laughs> I had seen Bull Durham already like yeah. 50 times by the time I was like 11 or 12. And I got my ass kicked that practice just <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> just... But it just shows like if you're not focused on your sport, how. And like Crash strikes out in that at bat. Yeah. And it kind of shows that the, um, you know, the film is so much, you know, we've said it over and over again it's a baseball film but it's about so much more than baseball um it, it's a you know he he's in the moment where it's he's playing his professional game but the thing that's more important to him is the is the broad is annie um you know <laughs> annie yeah. annie who's annie it's so perfect yeah. like it's so basic it's so good yeah even he, again costin's just delivery of those lines for lines that he's not actually speaking at that moment they're just like meant to be you know his thoughts uh he does them so perfectly because sometimes it's one thing that grates on me in movies is when the the thoughts that are being spoken that aren't actually being spoken aloud are played on screen on on film. Sometimes they just they're they're jarring, 
but they sound so natural right. to how how they sound so natural to his actions in the moment, which is like a subtle thing about filmmaking. But I really appreciated it that it seemed right for the moment, and his delivery of him matched how he looked as well. Like you know, just and it wasn't like he was, and he wasn't being caricature about like his thoughts. He was like you could see in his face what his thought mat, face matched his thoughts, but there wasn't like the over exaggerated shaking of the head or anything like that. It was just. It was so natural to how a human acts, um, but just putting it on screen so we could understand it and hear his thoughts. And yeah, that's just another. Yeah, that's one yeah. thing. Oh, go ahead. No, no, that's, that, that's pretty much me done on that. That's one thing where I would like Nuke talks out loud a lot to himself in it. And it, it's kind of like endearing, but I do wish like a few of those scenes were more just like him talking in yeah, his head. Too, yeah. Rather than like, cause, like a picture, like you could hear a pitcher talking to himself when you're batting. New, like that shit. Crash hears him at one point when he's running, he, when he's nuked, yeah. to, talking to himself and yeah. saying, what does this guy know? He's never been to the show. And Crash runs back because he's on his way he, back to the... He I'll comes debate back. you on that. I will debate you on that. You'll debate I, whether he I, heard it? I don't think he... He I think responds Crash it, he responds innately it. knew that he turned his back on him and was like being... Like doing exactly what Nuke was doing. I think yeah. Crash knew exactly, and Crash also wanted to get that off his chest because he brings up Annie in it. Yeah, <laughs> like, he responds he... it well because because Nuke says, "And I got hit the get Annie wants me instead of him," and he runs. It's after that that he runs back. So yeah, maybe he. But then he does. Crash does respond exactly to what Nuke was saying, like in his like, you know, blowback at him. So that's uh, true. But I thought I always thought. Well, I didn't always think, but like I like I thought that the intrinsically <laughs> possibly and that's crash possible too. Crash I, I guess we've just both read it different ways i watched it and was like he crashes just turned around as nukes finished that little sentence and responded to I exactly it, what he was saying and i just assumed that i my assumption was nukes like i'm talking to myself but didn't realize how loud he was like being and just like and crashes that's like, just also shut, hilarious shut your fucking face <laughs> like right now <laughs> like because he yeah i mean that's super funny but i just also thought like since they like kind of get into it even before that yeah like they're already like bickering because it they're bickering because of annie already but they're talking about the game but like obviously at the core of why they're bickering is annie Mm -hmm. and they just haven't brought it up yet and the way i always took it was that crash was walking back and you know could basically read nuke's mind into like think like knowing exactly what nuke was thinking because he's a young idiot and just like him basically going, oh, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he almost says that. He almost says, by the way. It yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, now really I'll have to yeah. watch it again, but. Yeah. I'm probably going to watch it again. That's how I always felt about it. Like when he's walking week. back, he's like, I actually have more to say to this guy, is kind of how I always took it. Yeah. It's like, because he realized he was taking out the Annie situation on Nuke mm. in the game. You know, just like kind of, like, I don't know. Yeah. That's how I always took it, but I'm probably overthinking it. And Nuke was being a dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's look, good at that. Look, but all of these things. He's so endearing to it's me. It's certainly now not mutually as... exclusive because he could be a dipshit as well as, like, yeah, you could be right as well. <laughs> Nuke has grown so much on me. Like, I remember watching it as a kid and I was like, God, what a dickhead. Like, I remember not liking him as a kid. And, like, I think it's because I knew he ended up with Susan Strandon in real life mm-hmm. um, or whatever. But, and I didn't like Tim Robbins when I was younger for some reason. And now I like. Nuke's character is just. <laughs> i don't know it's just endearing to me it, like makes me want to have a kid almost like <laughs> if that would become my kid because it's just like he's like a big four-year-old 
Yeah, he's a four-year-old. Like when he's like walking through the bus after they like we were talking about earlier, the scene just climbing like, over the seats. I and he's, love got, like, he's and he's talking. He's talking in like the giant voice. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> It is also it is also a four year old kid thing to do to get the get the words to a song completely wrong and play the guitar like you think you know how to play the guitar, and just him like being like the like already like he's not a, probably a millionaire at that point in what baseball was but like in today's game he would be a millionaire he like Crash calls him a bonus baby at one point so I'm guessing he like got paid like a bonus of at least five hundred thousand dollars in that yeah. film I mean drives a goddamn Porsche. Well, he refers to... Like quadraphonic blau pop. <laughs> blau punked. <laughs> I don't know what the last word is, it, it, and I refuse it is, to. It is, it is all one word. It's spelled B-L-A-U-P-U-N-K-T. It's like... Blaupunk? Blaupunk? It's German. It's blau punked. <laughs> well, he doesn't need it. He needs a goddamn curveball. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, Crash refers to his arm as a million-dollar arm, and so does the coach, I think, at the start. Million-dollar arm. I think that's, like, kind of a saying. Yeah, but... but Also, probably. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's... uh, Who knows what... Yeah, I mean, you said he might have got the $500,000 bonus and has spent, like, $50,000. I don't know what a Porsche 911 would have been at the time, but, you know, it's a fair hunk of his paycheck gone to the car already, but, you know, he's probably doing all right. His his dad seems like a... (laughs) Like, you know, you met a good Christian woman, so I assume he comes from, like, southern... That is just... Fucking imbecile! <laughs> just waving at him with a camera. Yeah, my dad did that. I'd be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, I would be throwing the baseball. <laughs> He's as full of shit as anyone else. Well, I also love like Crash like turning around because he's waving. <laughs> like, Look, he's insane. waving. Like, yeah, even Crash the way he turns. This is an audio medium, and I'm t- I'm doing all the actions. But he just kind of turns and waves at him. He like turns back and goes. He's like, "Look, he's waving. Look, he's only he's your old man. He's as full of shit as anyone else." <laughs> yeah, but like, but like him saying like, "Look, he's waving," is like him letting Nuke know like. He's a dipshit. Yeah. Like, he's being a dipshit right now. So be comfortable with it. Like, look, yeah. he's waving. Yeah, it's not gonna, <laughs> nothing's going to change. Um, the fact your old man being there is going to change anything. Um, yeah. I think it's a good time to take it into mission and we can get into the. Yeah, I've into, been bursting for a piss for yeah. a while. <laughs> we can get into the women. I would the, like to apologize to the listeners for the next uh, segment. This is usually where it goes. Uh, <laughs> the wheels fall off for me. Yeah. But I haven't drank as much tonight, so yeah. Well, we'll get to we'll have a quick intermission here, and um, well, it'll be very quick for the listener. Who knows how long it'll be for us? But um, we'll uh, we'll be back. Talk movie. about the women of the movie, and um, get into some. I want to get into like the uh, the talk about like superstition and sports and life and everything as well, because there's some really good dialogue and characters and how and and so much of the thesis of the movie is in in all those little bits. So we'll be right back with that. What's going on out there? Looks like a convention. Pretty soon they're gonna call the roll. <laughs> Get your ass out there and check it out. Excuse me, what the hell's going on out here? Well, Nick's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man's here. We need a live was it a live rooster? We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove, and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Is that about right? That's right. We're yeah. dealing with a lot of shit. Okay, well, uh, candlesticks always make a nice gift, and uh, 
maybe you can find out where she's registered, maybe a place setting or maybe a silverware pattern. Okay, let's get to it. Let's go. Yo, what you asking all right, we're back for the second half of the Pints of Popcorn podcast on Bull Durham, 1988 film from Ron Shelton. Uh, refilled our cups and uh, uh, whether they be our mugs of beer or wine, what's in there at this point? Wine. Wine. Switched. <laughs> Switched for the third act when it gets sultry. <laughs> yeah. Light some candles, like a million of them, and drink some wine and get funky. Have sex in a tub. You know... <laughs> It doesn't work. Uh, like Elaine Bennis says in Seinfeld, it doesn't work. Her critique of English patient is my critique of Bull Durham, third act, <laughs> but we'll get to that. <laughs> right, we'll work. get to that. Um, I mean, it works, but it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll start with the women, because like, the, the, the other, you know, we've talked about a crash in um, Nuke a fair bit already, um, but the uh, the women of the movie are really important to it as well, obviously harking back to the the basis of the film from... Uh, Listrada, like the it was the home the whole thesis that Ron uh, Shelton was coming from was that the the women withholding holding power in in this situation and um, any Savoy is is the narrator for our film too. She opens up that monologue at the start of the film, like she believes in the church Amazing. church of baseball and she's tried all the other major religions and was 108 beads in a Catholic rosary and 108 stitches in a baseball. Stitch. Jesus yep. Christ, that that opening of the film just sets you right up for what you're getting into. It's a uh, I love it. Um, apparently, Shelton, he was just driving around the Carolinas just in his car kind of recording shit, and he just said just as he was driving, he just wrote it on a recorder, just the ho- recorded the whole thing and went from there with the screenplay, basically. But Yeah, let up. me jump in just, yeah, yeah. just real quick on this from an American perspective, just mm. from, like, I mean, like I told you, like, my parents went... I went, I'm not going to say a date because they were married, but I was in my mom's belly. They went to see this film, and I we had this film on VHS my entire life. I probably saw it the first time when I was four mm-hmm. and like have watched it since, and this is why, you know, going back to when we were talking about it at the bar, when you brought it up to me at the bar, I think I was like, you probably saw a glimmer in my eye. Yeah. <laughs> you brought, like, couldn't, like, I couldn't believe it when you brought it up. But uh, I don't remember why I brought this up. But uh, we were talking about the start of the, the opening. Oh, yeah, just um, Church the of Church of Baseball. Yeah. And when I was a kid, like when I first saw it and like, you know, you have such a short attention span when you're a little kid. But your parents are watching this film probably when you're four or whatever, and it's on. You'll pay attention to the first two minutes and then go off and play with your toys. Probably. Mm-hmm. So I think my dad and my mom were like, oh, shit, baseball, like sit down and watch it. So like. Her talking about baseball, that first scene has been so ingrained in my in in my life. And like then when you're growing up from that point, when you're like four years old on as an American boy, you see the Little League World Series, you see the boys of summer type shit, you mm-hmm. see, you know, that that type of thing where it's like this is what it means to be a man, is you play baseball and you go through the throes of life through baseball mm-hmm. because it is such a cyclical sport more than anything else because it takes so long um so what she's saying at the start of it is so impactful and it really is it taps into the mindset that so many american boys have and not just boys but that's where it starts is what i mean it starts in their heads and that's why baseball is so romanticized and they say it's an old man's game and it's like well yeah you get a little bit older and you look back at it and it is romantic in a way 
Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, I think that one of the discussions we had when I first saw the film was like, and I'm sure I talked to you about it at the time, like what six, seven years ago now, that um, how much the film defines the romance that baseball has in it. That I think has it's a sport that has a ro- such a much more of a romantic notion than any other sport I can think of. Even cricket, which on a surface level is very much a similar pace game in the sense that you know people. It's named after an insect. <laughs> It's no, um, <laughs> it uh it's very much a, a slow methodical sport in the sense that you spend a lot of time in your own head. Baseball is very much the same way, but cricket doesn't. Uh, cricket has a romantic notion, but baseball to me just and maybe it's because I came into it as an you know as a young Australian with a fascination for America, well, just worldwide sports. Um, so it's even more. It's very much more romanticized to me just how much how I fell in love with baseball from from afar and had to really battle to understand it. But uh, luckily being that I came from a, a country that crickets, you know, a religion here, um, I, w- I very much understood how to get through the, mil- the slowness of a sport and understand the romanticism behind it. And like, that's what I've, Bull Durham was the first film that I watched that really captured what I thought about baseball, if that makes sense, that it was is such a sport that's so deeply, ro- like in the people that truly love baseball, it's a romantic love for it. And that, that encapsulates everything, the hate that you feel for it at some times, but you can't, you know, Crash is the epitome of it. The, he can't leave it no matter how much it annoys him at times. He loves the game so much that, you know, that, that's what I mean by the romantic notion is that that comes everything that comes into that is not just the highs, but the lows of the romance of baseball as well. And that's, that start of that film, that monologue just captures it perfectly and sets you up for what you're going to get into in the rest of the film. My formative years were dominated by baseball. It was practice all year long. Mm-hmm. Even in Nebraska, you find a gym and you go with your team and you practice there at the same time. And it is because the that notion of baseball and being like this all American apple pie Chevy fourth of july type game i mean they played baseball on fourth of july all day you know yeah. and you, 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 it's just so like ingrained in you i can't in this movie again taps into that so well that you know baseball catches a lot of shit as being like an old white guy sport and yeah it is a primarily white person sport and yeah it is overly american especially post 9-11 but it's also just a game that you can play with your friends anywhere. That's why so many, it's kind of like soccer in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. It's like you, you don't need a baseball in a field anymore. If you're into baseball, mm-hmm. play with a tennis ball and like a two by four in the alleyway and you can still do it. And yeah. that doesn't really happen as much as anymore, but back then, especially and through my childhood, especially it's like, you know, you get a, like, we played stickball in a cul-de-sac with a tennis ball, and, like, we would wrap these stupid, like, those, like, little novelty bats up in, like, athletic tape and play, and make them bats, and mm. then play stickball, like, because you don't, you don't have access to a field, but you, like, baseball finds a way, and yeah. it's just so indoctrinated, and I, again, I'm, a, I'm white and from the suburbs, so this is, not the case for every American, especially now, but, uh, you know, for those type of people, it's so ingrained is that, you know, you want to play baseball because it's what, you know, I guarantee your dad played it and your dad probably likes baseball. So mm. you're going to be into it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, a father-in-law and Andrea's, you know, my brother-in-law, like he's 
well in the baseball system as of he's 15 now, 14, 15. <laughs> and, you know, like he, for a few years, he was like, uh, my father-in-law was coaching his team and the coach of the whole team. And they were doing all the travel ball stuff. And then now he's gotten into another team. I had to try out for it. And like, it's just, there's so much. I've, I've gone to see him play a bunch of times and I've just like, just only done it on quick visits because obviously I'm based in Australia more than anything, but there's just such a romantic, like going to training with them and watching them train and then, went out and helped one night, like just, you know, throwing grounders or whatever. And I didn't know what I was doing really. And that was, I think that was the first night I ever actually put on a glove too, which was a formative experience of my life at the age of like 25 or whatever it was. Because, um, uh, you know, growing up in Australia, baseball gloves just wasn't even a thing. Um, I've got one now. I love, like, that's another thing. Like I love playing catch. Like you can, don't even need a bat if you just want to go out and toss the ball to each other and just and just play some, yeah. Me and Andrea do that here. Like, um, just throw the ball to each other and just try and fire it in as hard as you can and get that perfect crisp sound of the ball hitting the back of the glove. Like, there's the, there's those yeah, things. Yeah, romantic in a yeah. way. I mean, but but it's also based in like that's how a lot of like I'm lucky to have a great dad mm-hmm. that him and I could bond on anything. But him and I played catch all the time, and that's a big th- that's a big way that like young men and their fathers like emotionally unavailable fathers (laughs) unlike my father but emotionally unavailable fathers can like connect with their kid is at least through a game of catch yeah that's why it's so like you know it's so like 1950s it's so you know american pastoral of the the athlete dad you know Mm -hmm. like he's so busy being a businessman um in the daytime, but he can at least cut some time out to like play catch with his kid in the backyard before, you know, they go to dinner and don't talk at all about their emotions or anything. Yeah. It's so ingrained to American masculinity that, and that's another reason why this movie is so great is it is baseball is ingrained into American masculinity, but this movie takes it into romance as well, which is already baseball is already a romantic game, which we've already covered. Mm-hmm. But this movie is a catalyst into that of like how baseball teaches boys to be men and then men to be thinkers. Basically, it's a again, I can't say enough about how transformative it it is for a sports movie. Whereas like you watch Rudy and you're like, yeah, I feel good after this. But it's like doing a bump of cocaine. It's like (laughs) I feel good for 15 minutes, but like I I want something that's going to be longer lasting. Yeah, like a molly. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, and that's what, like, um, I th- yeah. I think, I mean, we started talking about how, like, any any uh, her monologue just that opens a film goes sets it up perfectly, and she is so much a catalyst for all that. What you were saying about how how it's right, teacher, that's what we're teachers talking about. <laughs> about me. Yeah, well, I, I, you very much brought in what you know teaching men you know boys to be men and men to be thinkers like that's what she's done like you know she's doing it through the um with you know she ties it ties him up very sensually and uh like oh even before oh that, can i interrupt real quick yes yeah you can when they turn it and she's tied up while crash is painting her painting yeah. her toenails only one of the few parts i like of the third act but we'll get to that <laughs> <laughs> um well like so the scene that we've got which um i'm not gonna try to even do crashes speech because it is one of the most brilliant please don't because that'll step on just (laughs) something maybe i would do later i don't know (laughs) i don't know if i would do that or not but just 
you know, you don't need to do a speech, yeah. but anyway, just to mention Crash's speech until uh, later moments. Um, he has a spe- like one of the all-time great speeches in a film, but you know, he leaves the house and oh, absolutely, and any and any and Nuke is still in the house, and she's like, well, I guess Nuke's going to be my protege for the season. And she and when he's rushing to undress his clothes straight away, like she's just like, no, just slow down. And like, it's like a metaphor for everything he's doing. No, wrong. she fucked up. Yeah, it's like she's just like, no, slow down. And it's like she's saying slow down, like for the the moment as well. But it's also subconsciously getting into his ideas about baseball. It's like slow down, you know, don't think, but like he pitches. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like re. You know, she says she's talking about rechanneling at certain times in the film, and it's like rechanneling like energies and just just work out like you know because he's just trying to rush for everything and he's trying to get through everything, and she's just like slow down and you know just take it off slowly and you know and then she, <laughs> uh, the, the socks thing and but when she ties him up and she starts reading him, he's like reads poetry all night and you know it's just it's she's using her power as a woman, um, just like the play to um to influence how the the change of a man and, 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 you know, in obviously a positive way, they're trying to, she's trying to help him. Um, she sees her role as to train, like educate these guys and help them be better men. You know, the talent's obviously there, but she's trying to uh, help them be better men overall to, to go to the show, you know, um, whether or not. Does that do yeah. in that speech at the start? She yeah. Said, I mean, she says that's basically her role, but I also think that her role is extremely flawed and they show that, um, a couple times throughout the movie mm. where she doesn't care about Nuke at one point as long as, you know, they're going to bang, mm. even though he's into, and that's when Crash tells her, like, hey, you don't mess with a wind streak. I'm not fucking, like, I'm not fucking with your sex life. You're fucking with my baseball life. Yeah. So, and um, there was another moment, and I'll think about it. I'll, well, again, I'll like, go going back, back to yeah, that but, play is, like, some of the women were getting weak in yeah, when they were withholding sex from the Greeks and the Spartans as well. Like, they were getting weak, and there was, like, there was a battle between the sexes of trying to get, get the get the resolution they wanted without, like, you know, while there's battle, this little battle of withholding, you know, holding the power and and all those things were going on. So, you know, she she certainly had her own desires out of it as well because she was just a, she's a human-grown woman. Um, but she was, yeah... Um, I guess oh, there's I mean, another point that speaks to that, but I can't think of it at the moment. I'll probably bring it up later and interrupt you in the pod, and I'll apologize, but uh, I'll remember exactly it because there is another moment where Annie's little "I'm trying to help these boys grow into men" type thing is really just you know a selfish endeavor too. At the same time, I do think she like that's what she thinks she's doing, yeah. but it's also selfish at the same time. Yeah. But I, I just forgot it, and I need to think about it. Pines yeah. of popcorn. <laughs> I lo- I do love her char- character though, because she is, um, you know, in such a male-dominated world, she's very powerful. Like she has some power, and and I like the fact that the the men around the team respect the women too. Like, I mean, I, I mean, the start of the film. To a point. I mean, they all bang Millie. Yeah. I don't know if that's <laughs> respect, or I I don't know what it, I, it's twenty twenty. I don't know what it is. I just want, yeah, it's. Well, she's, I mean, there was that scene where she's going along introducing herself to every single one. And the one guy just goes, she's like, I'm Millie. And he's like, she holds out his hand and shakes it and goes, I'm married. <laughs> and she kind of looks at him and goes, okay. But, you yeah. know, like, like Annie says at the start of the film, she's like, when, when Millie gets stuck in there with Nuke right at the start of the film and they're banging, um, and the coach goes in for some piece of ass and she leans over and goes, I am not, quote, some piece of ass, unquote. And like, he goes, oh, sorry, Millie. Like, 
you know, I, I like that early ode to, even though the women, like, obviously in the film are sleeping with the players and whatnot, there is that respect of, like, she's just like, no, I'm going to tell you that I'm not just some piece of ass my name. Like, I might have been banging the, the new picture in the in this locker room, but I am, I, I'm proud of who I am anyway. And then, at the, and then Annie's like, Annie's like, well, she comes out and Millie's just like, no, I got lured. And Millie's like, you didn't get, Annie's like, you didn't get lured. You're a strong, independent woman and you're going to take responsibility for your actions. So, you know, we can talk about... Yeah, that's a, that's a modern. That's a modern take. Exactly. And that's what I like. You know, you can talk about the trouble, troublesome nature of how it's portrayed on the fil- on screen as far as, you know, they're sleeping with the players and the players sleeping with them, whatever. But then... It's pretty troublesome. Yeah. It's but, a little troublesome. Well, I, I, I look at the film, like, with the opening monologue with that, it's very much... It's a surprisingly... Uh, I'm trying to work out the way to put this without being too on the It is twenty twenty, so let's uh, not get No, it's nothing nothing uh, nothing to do with the women and men thing. It's it's a very I'm trying to think of the way to put it without being too on the nose, but it's like there's an atheistic nature to it. It's just like this is just human humans being humans and we're not they're not Yeah, you're right. What is it? yeah. It, it it's it's just there's no like you know, they meant she she just casually says, oh, I've tried all these religions, they weren't for me, whatever and I believe in the church of baseball and we're going to sleep with the guys if we want to. And if we don't want to, we won't sleep with them. Like they're making their own decisions. The guys. Like nomadic. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's I just, can't find the word. It's just, it's just for, for a 1988 film about baseball, which like you said, baseball is very much ingrained in American culture, which is patriot patriotism and, and, you know, Christianity to a certain extent and what, what not the film doesn't lean into it. Like it just, it's just guys being guys, girls being girls, imperfections and warts and all. Um, there's no, they're not commenting on anything in particular about it. It's just, and Ron Shelton said, it's just like, like life. Some of the, we had the women around there and, and, you know, and there was a lot of strong women around too. It's not saying these girls are floozies. They're making their own decisions and whatever. And, and, you know, it's just, it just is life. And that's what I like about it. It's not commenting and criticizing anything about the lifestyles of all these people. It's just saying, this is what it is. They're making their own decisions. There's no, you know, that's what I like about it. You know, it's imperfect, but it's not that there's not, they're not really uh, criticizing anything apart from just, you know, capturing, capturing life in this particular way that they've seen it. Yeah. And I think it really fits into the modern world, especially like, I think, I mean, when it was made, that's so, that's so far ahead of its time on how women have taken all the power back with whether it's relationships or sex or anything. And like, as they should, and it's great, but like that wasn't the case in 1988. So mm-hmm. the way that this is written, the way that it happens, and like yeah, Millie, like they probably could have like there there was probably a few things they could have done to make her. I don't know. I feel like they are trying to at times like to demean her character. I guess mm-hmm. not demean her character per se, but she's a, she's a bit no, more. No, use a, her as a as a laughing. She's a bit more a of a caricature of a of a right, a right, right, right. girl, I guess. Yeah. But she's not like your typical ballpark girl either. And again, this is 1980. I'm not talking about now. Yeah. So let's get that clear. But like her dad probably owns a team or a stake in the team, and so he he, donate, out, he donated the scoreboard. She said I know the scoreboard. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can guarantee that the money. The scoreboard's a piece of shit too. Yeah. So he probably get like what? <laughs> like what? It's next to the bull. It looks like a piece of shit. Well, the coach like, says he's like, we don't need it anyway. We're not scoring any runs. <laughs> not scoring any runs. Yeah. So, yeah. I just, I mean, it's kind of a plot point, and like, I don't know. 
it's kind of a cheap laugh, I guess, to have like to end up setting her up with the Christian who can't even handle like a fake bride and groom fucking on his cake. He does laugh. About it. He does laugh about it, like kind of like he's like in. He, but he also says like, "Oh boy," like he's Annie and crashes on hooking his garters. So like, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think that marriage lasted very long. Uh, but that's fine. She at least taught him a little something about the real world. I yeah. think because that because Billy is a. Uh, He's not cut out for the real world when you find him. Yeah. Well, what I love about there's one moment in the film that um, when, uh, you know, while they're listening to Crash's game where he gets tossed um, and, you know, Millie. Oh, kind of, yeah. Millie, Millie kind of says, you know, do I deserve to wear white? And, and he says, oh, honey, we, we all deserve to wear white. I love that because that is a very much a, a, a pro-feminist, a very, you know, like a, an, uh, a, a, just a confident, fe- like not like a feminist. Like some people take feminist the wrong way too. So I'm trying to think of the same right way to put it. But just a very no, uh, you got it. A positive, positive feminist way of just saying, hey, like no matter what you've done, as long as you're you fem positive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like saying, like, it's saying like you know, the, nothing you've done is you've just not done what you know. Your maybe your Christian Christian upbringing th- says you should have, but you haven't done anything wrong at the same time. So you do deserve to wear white because you're a good. You're you've got a good heart and you're a good person. And I like I love that and. That's again in 1988. I can't imagine that was too much of a thing that was on, in major films starring Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, and Tim Robbins. Like that is an underrated line, underrated piece of dialogue. And you know, for and again, the script was nominated for an Academy Award, so I'm glad it was the writing and the way it was written was rewarded the way it was. Should have won. But, I also like the juxtaposition. I don't know what movies it was up against either. Rain, Rain, Rain Man won, so fuck that. That's not bad. Charlie Babbitt, that's not bad. But uh, <laughs> um, I like the juxtaposition of that scene, though, where she's like, do I deserve to d- deserve white? And then a little bit later, they're listening to the radio, and they both know that Crash called him a cocksucker, but she still <laughs> said it. And the fact that she says, like, cocksucker, like, in 88, like, her wearing a wedding dress and saying, he must have called, mu- cox- called him cocksucker. It's like, uh, yeah, that, yeah, you deserve to wear white, Melanie. <laughs> Love you to death. <laughs> You must have called him a cocksucker. <laughs> yeah, she's so nice. Like, yeah. She, uh, she, uh, the fact yeah. she knows exactly what he said, too. And then, and then like, Annie's just like, oh, he's so romantic. <laughs> I mean, it's a great scene. He was, I think he, I think Crash got it. It looked like it. I, I, I mean, there's no I clear will, view of it. I will absolutely. Motherfucker die. still hasn't touched the plate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I will <laughs> absolutely die on the hill that Crash got the tag. <laughs> Because I've watched, I've watched it back a few times. You can see the glove here, and you can. There's no way the guy's arm gets through to the plate the way that Crash is covering it. Like still hasn't touched the plate. Yeah, I love the way he's just turning around watching. He's just like he still hasn't touched the plate. Yeah. Ah, fuck it. It's a cocksucking yeah. call. <laughs> and again, that is and again, the umpire hilarious. And again, the umpire is wrong because he didn't call him a cocksucker. It was a cocksucking call. It's very yeah, clear. Yeah, he's right? a veteran. He knows how to. He knows how to do it, and yeah. he just. Umpire's dead. It's such a, it's such a good verb. Yeah. Cocksucking. <laughs> Cocksucking call. It's just so, like, demeaning. Oh, it's just so funny. Yeah. It's so funny. You spit on me. I didn't spit on I, that's The whole way. They're both. I, that's that, so funny. Like, that's one they're of my, also, like, mocking yeah. that stuff because it's. Yeah, they're like the little bumps. And then when the manager runs out there after and he's like, he's doing the real Sideways like, hat. Yeah. Sideways hat so he can get closer to his face. I love it because as soon as he starts diving out of the dugout, he flips the hat backwards. And he's like, fuck. And he's like, fuck. Yeah. Everyone's just swearing and carrying on. And he's just like runs out. And he's doing the real 
exaggerate and manage your bumps. Like, I'm, again, audio medium, I don't know why I'm doing it, but for your, for Shay, <laughs> he's just doing I'll that. Take it. He's got the chest puffed out and he's just doing that. He looks great. Yeah. The yeah. whole scene is like when I was talking earlier in the first half of the pod about great just sports scenes, baseball scenes, that whole. And that goes for like when you watch the full sequence through from right when um, the. the Crash didn't want to play in that game anyway. <laughs> well, it's, Fuck it, that game. It starts at the like the the convention on the hill is like the start of that like that whole scene is just such a brilliant five minutes of film like from the convention on the hills and then you know even just when the bill gets popped out and like you know Crash is calling for it at the plate and it gets tossed in and that's just a great moment of action for the scene but then all the stuff that subsequently comes after is just just brilliant it's just just great five minutes of movie for and in a and movie then it, oh go ahead. Just in a movie that is all all around great. That's just yeah. That's a particular highlight. And then just him in the shower with the high life. Slow just, slow zoom out. Like it starts in on him and just zooms out. And it's just so him. Slowly. You know, it's him just going, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yelling yeah. at an umpire, calling him a cocksucker when you know he wanted it. Like you're acting like a little like. It's again. It's just another like station on him and Newt crossing over. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I see it because yeah, because you know, Crash is slowly more and more coming to the point where he he knows his how he knows he knows the amount of stops on this on his trip are like you know less and less as he's getting towards being the manager at Visalia and um yeah he's just but like, also more but, so. but at the same time he loves the game so much that he's just like no I he knows he got the fucking tag and he loves the game that much he wants to he, he he's justifiably mad too so there's that oh absolutely yeah he got the tag. And, he, and, and, like he and, he's, and, he, and he's a ball player. We all like, no matter how calm and collected we are in situations, and then we get, and it gets towards the point where he loses his cool at the billiards place when he's drunk as well. But you know, he's a passionate ball right. player still, no matter how calm and collected he is at many times during the career. Because he is, so he, the way he deals with Nuke and some of the in-game situations where he just casually, you know, he, you know he's give, giving away the pitches to the hitter and whatnot. Like, but you know, when when that's him in a teaching moment but in a moment when the game's actually screwing him over he's like no and the game has screwed him over for his entire life so that's like kind of his way that's like his moment of being like fuck this you know this game is not letting you know i'm not letting this game fuck me over again so he's going to call the umpire a cocksucker because he's like that's kind of his his but he regrets his, it immediately yeah that's his conduit into like his entire experience but you know obviously he's like this he still didn't do it he, he still, yeah he still didn't he didn't handle it the right way at the end of the day he shouldn't as much as well, the I guy... don't think that's what he regrets. Let me let me oh, yeah, yeah. crack this little little egg. Uh, he regrets like, hey man, how many more chances do you get to play baseball? Yeah, and you're getting kicked out of a goddamn game because you're like you like you tagged this well, guy yeah. and you got him, but you're down. I mean, he was probably they were they were getting shelled that game. It looked no, like they lost. And... They lost at three two. They didn't get shelled. Oh, yeah, I they, can't remember exactly when. Any, any, I thought that any says afterwards that you know she because there's one of those moments where she cuts in as a narrator that you know once Crash got tossed from the game, you know uh, Jose made three errors with his cursed, oh three errors three yeah. errors with his cursed glove and um yeah but then he lost three two so who knows what happens if Crash can stay in the game and and help nuke through the game so yeah I just look at that scene like I mean it's great on so many levels because it's. Obviously, after the we're dealing with a lot of shit scene, yeah. <laughs> but also the you know that shot of him in the shower drinking a beer and like after getting thrown out. Whereas like most guys that I know, at least you and I, if we got thrown out of a game and we're hitting the showers after like 
while the game was still going on and drinking a beer, we'd probably be like, yeah, fuck that guy. Like, we'd yeah. be mad or, like, happy, one mm. of the two. But he's standing there. It looks like it really took its toll on him. And it's like, well, you don't have that much left. And what mm. are you doing giving away a game like this? And, like, also you're fucking over Nuke. Yeah. He got tossed out of a game he could have won. Because well, like so, his essential job for coming, the reason he's there is to um, help Nuke. So, if he's and not, he likes Nuke. Yeah. And they, I think at the bottom, at the end of the day, he likes Nuke, even though he. I think I he likes. I think the he likes. The first time it. he realizes it, though, is when Nuke gets the best of him in the culmination scene, when he calls him meat and he yeah. starts to laugh like, "Oh shit! Like that's amazing! Like that's yeah. great!" Yeah. So. Yeah, I also like um, later in the film, and you because know, for the first you know half of the film maybe, Nuke is like mad about being called meat, and then when he's talking to himself on the mound at one point near the end where he's calls himself game, meat, yeah, he's like, "Come on, meat!" <laughs> and so like he's accepted like kind of the way baseball works because of what uh, Crash has taught him too. He's like, "I am like I am like you know he's accepting that he's not there yet. He's he knows he's talented, but you know the Porsche 911 doesn't mean anything until he's actually in the you know done something with the talent he's got." So. But he's also yeah. talking to himself like Crash would talk yeah. to him. So it's like this bit, like, so he's talking, it's, it, again, really great writing. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, is Nuke a good nickname for a pitcher? I, with what he's thrown, yeah. <laughs> it's just that, like, when I think of Nuke, I think of Bomb, and I think of Bomb is home run, but whatever. Right, okay, yeah. Especially, like, in the scene where he's like, everything I was like, every time I tried to like make a pitch, it was like throwing gasoline on fire. <laughs> like that sounds like a nuke, like, you know what I mean? But yeah, but that just show. I mean, I can also see it as like part of his naivete because Crash call it like he calls him a nuclear fucking disaster or something like that, and he takes it as like a compliment. <laughs> I think. So, yeah, so it's funny and it's a point, but I'm just, I was just more of like a. It was more of a you know, tongue-in-cheek question of is Nuke a good nickname? Yeah, I guess with this, yeah, I, it's more like it just makes sense for him. Like, it does, like, it, it did work. And, you know, it, it's prefaced by, like, you know, because Annie calls, says he's, like, a regular nuclear meltdown, like, you know, and then... That's what it... it Crash yeah. doesn't say that? No, it's Annie. She's, like, because he's just, like, sitting... When they're both sitting there on the couch and, like, you know, they're talking about molecules and shit and... <laughs> and and cra- and then Nuke's just like, so is someone going to go to bed with someone? Or and she's like, oh well, you're just just such a regular nuclear meltdown over there, aren't you? And um, yeah. So, and then the next, moment- I have to assume that was pretty close to after um, Three Mile Island here. So that's funny. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> he um, yeah, because then that's the you know right after that's where Crash's speech comes and and yeah they end up um banging and he comes in the next morning and says that he's like he says his nickname. did they bang. Did they bang? Is Sorry, no, they much? didn't. Well, no, he said they didn't bang. He, he said, read poetry all night. Yeah, she get, yeah, which is more tiring. But do you think she gave it? I mean, I don't know. She tied him up. No, but he said he's laying on the thing, and like, because Larry goes, oh, so he does say we didn't fuck. He says like she just read poetry all night, which is more tiring, tiring than fucking. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, true. yeah. I haven't done either end in quite a while. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, so you read poetry. That's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> this whole. Um, I guess we can um the third act of the film. Um I know we've I know well I know you've you've stated your opinion of not being a big fan. Um 
Yeah. I've softened to it in my old age. Uh, I have. But when I was younger, I just thought it was, you know, especially when I was playing baseball, I thought it was supposed to be about baseball. And it was supposed to be about, you know, this, again, I've already said this, but the cyclical nature of baseball is that mm. it goes from spring to fall. It's supposed to go from life to death. And I also, like, I don't know. I think the movie could have been better if when Annie's walking back from that rain out mm-hmm. at the end of the film and she's wearing the umbrella, she's walking up and she sees the backer crash. I think it could have been more effective and better and more true to the characters if she sees the backer crash but then walks up to her porch and it's a figment of her imagination. Because that's what she wants. Yeah, I, I guess, guess to me that that would have been that would have been too jarring to me in a film like that. Like, yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure how I would have dealt with that being like, I, like because it's so much ground. I mean, I know there's there is one dream sequence with Nuke, but then that is kind of like it's not really a dream sequence, though. It's just like a figment of your imagination. You know? Yeah, no, I like just, something I'm just you not... wish would happen, and then it ends. So then it's like she didn't even think it; it's her wishing it. You know what I I don't know, just something, you know. Yeah. Because I just, I like crash softened so much at the end of it, and I'm fine with it. You know, I'm fine with it. It's a great movie. Mm. It's a great, and I'm fine with the ending. I'm just yeah. saying, to me, as someone who's grown up with this movie throughout the ages, especially when I was younger, I really didn't like the ending. Yeah. See, I don't mind it. I think it was this was a hard movie to end because it's. The movie itself kind of half ends when when Crash and Nuke part ways and, Cra- and Nuke goes to the bigs. Exactly. That's kind of yeah. that's kind of. But then uh, the cat. Uh, this movie again was so much more about so much more than baseball. And you know, Crash was you know there was from, right from the start of the movie. Um, it's set up that this relationship between Crash and Annie is something different. Like Annie even says when he walks out and she's. Oh just, my. No. Yeah. Well, and th- and then she says, "No one's ever turned down a date with me." And she's fascinated by this guy. And um, good for you, Annie. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Fuck that shit. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's a rare. Person. How does it feel, Annie? You're using these. Well, she's not using them. Yeah. But it's like. But like they play, um, you know. There's they they both are infatuated with each other, even though they're trying to. She's trying to go through her usual routine, even though it's like you know she's clearly got something for Crash more than Nuke, but Nuke's the one she chose and. She's, you know, monogamous. Well, Crash yeah. kind of helped use it. So. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not interested in anyone. But she fucked it up. Yeah. But. He even says, I'm not interested in anyone that's interested with that boy. But then the next day when she sends the note down, I love, that's another great scene, by the way, when he just grabs great the note. Scene. Let's, are we going to, like, uh, let's fuck this time. I think he said, I think. Well, it says, let's fuck you. it last night, I yeah. think it says, because she says, let's, I think she says, like, let's. He's like, meet at the batting cages at one or yeah. something like that. And he's like, I think it looks like he says, says I, tr- I watched it a couple of times. I think he says, let's fuck whenever. I think is what it says. I, I, I thought it says time. I thought it says time at the end though. And there's one word missing. So I was like, I thought it said, let's fuck this time. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I know. It, he, I know it says, let, it says let's, let's fuck. And then, um, and then the, I love how like she hands the kid hands a note to uh, Millie and Millie just reads it. It was kind of a smile. And yeah. says, 
Oh, he says, Let, let's make love. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> says he wants to make love to you. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask it. Yeah. Don't tell it. Whatever. Baseball is so, uh, after a strikeout, you don't want it. Testosterone's flown, especially if you're Crash Davis. Yeah. Um, so, the third act of the film, I think, I, I actually enjoyed it more these last couple of rewatches than I ever did before. So the, we're softening. For we're some softening re- yeah, I mean for some reason I always thought the, the scenes where they're, you know, banging in the bathtub and whatever went for ages and it's actually just a little and I love when they're sitting in the kitchen. It's gratuitous. Yeah. To a, at a point. No, I'm sorry, and not he lost the plot a little bit because he didn't have like he couldn't make it more romantic than it is. So it's like I don't know. It's it's not terrible. Her, like, sitting on the ground with all the shit that Crash left and, like, cats eating it and stuff, not good. <laughs> who's, who's that for? What's, what's, like, yeah, she, I mean, she was probably pretty broken up, but, like. Oh, she seemed happy. She grabs, like, the the, the, the end of a, what I assume is a joint um, and lights that back up. It seemed like a joint. Yeah, now that I'm old. You, you don't pick like, up. Why would you be that excited about like a butt of a cigarette? Yeah. So, so she and she like and looks pretty happy, and then you know, um, she's just kind. I think that scene's kind of just showing that she's kind of just like this new phase of life is starting, and she's just like not sure what to do. So she's just like lost in this moment a little bit. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but that's how I took it. Was just that she's like you know crashes left, and she's. Because she then says when Crash comes back, she's like, I'm giving up, not the baseball, but the boys. So that's between Crash leaving and him coming back, she was in that process of realizing that she's come She's come to the... Similar to Crash in his his career is, you know, hit his last home run and quit. She's come to the end of her time when she can actually realistically do what she's doing because she's realized she can't actually keep her feelings out of it anymore because Crash has meant more to her than she ever thought someone in that world would. So, Yeah. That's kind of how and I And he challenged her as well. Yeah. He's like, who, the, who are you? Yeah. It's like such a question that she has never been asked because she's dealing with young minor league baseball players. Yeah. She's never had a guy. Way, either going up or going down. Yeah. I mean, um, Matt... in their careers. And she's never done, like, no one's ever asked her, who are you? Like, who are you? Like, that's such a, like, a strong question to ask somebody. Like, especially the way Crash asks it. Mm. Like, who are you? The way, like, is like, Oh man, it's like giving me chills right now. Yeah, like, that's probably because that's our a, fourth movie that we did. <laughs> <laughs> that's the apartment because that's, that's a, really stood out to me. That's at his night. apartment, just, right? When that's happening. Yeah, he's like, yeah, because yeah, she storms in, like just like all horned up, and starts yelling at him about all this stuff, and he's like, well, he, he completely he changes. You can see how she her face after he. Because she says, "Oh, he breaks her." Yeah, I mean, not like again. 20, not not in a negative, not in a negative way. He just, like, yeah, he just changes. He he makes her realize that she's contradicting herself half the time with all this shit that she's doing—the blocked eyelids and Galapagos Islands—and yeah, she thinks she's yeah. like, look, I love Annie, and she's smart and everything like that. But she thinks she's smarter than she is. Or at least she uses her smarts to take advantage of people who are not as smart as her, mm. I guess. And so yeah. the, it's like, yeah, you think you're extremely smart when you're dealing, when you're teaching all of these minor league baseball players about Walt Whitman and whatever. Yeah. 
But what, what do you have beyond that? You're t- like you're a college teacher. You're a college. You're a college professor. Mm-hmm. Or you're at a junior college or whatever they say. Yeah. Part time, teaching English one on one. Yeah. So that kind of makes her realize she's a little full of herself. Where she should like. There are people that are beyond her, and I'm not saying Crash is beyond her because I think they're at the exact same level. And I yeah, think oh, I think she's teaching some things to Crash too, in the sense of like, there's more. Like you know, he kind of has to accept he's coming to the end of the baseball line, and I feel like she, like they both kind of help each other realize like she, he will give up the game to manage at whatever mm-hmm. that shithole is. Visalia, it's not North Carolina. <laughs> Oh really? That's no. ca- that's California. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> I thought it was in Cal or I thought it was in North Carolina. That's there's why a, like, there's a Visalia. There is a Visalia minor league minor league team in Visalia, California. So I'm assuming that was it. Yeah. Wow. Ron, Ron Shelton's from California too, so I'm just assuming that there was like. Yeah, unless there's another Visalia around. But. I just don't find it that romantic then. If he's like, well, there's an opening in Visalia. I thought Visalia was like some shit town in like. Have at you least have you South been to Carolina Cent- or have you whatever? been to Central California? I'm sure it's no. Uh, I'm sure it's a shit town. <laughs> if Crash Davis is gonna, manage I'm not going. I'm not like. I'm, not, is like I'm just saying like yeah, the, the middle of California is a hot desert with no. not much else going on. So it is. Like, I think uh, the entire state of California is shit except <laughs> the liberal minds that. Uh, that live there, but uh, um, I just like that makes it less romantic to me. Then even I mean that ruins the third act, uh, the parts that I like of the third act, though, of like, because he's telling Annie that, but it's like, well, so is it about him going into managing it, or is it about him giving up the game and going with her? I think it's about her. Maybe I think he's gonna keep going with it, but she's like, she's like, oh. She's like accept, accepting that she, they're both accepting that they're in love with each other and that they want this next stage of their journey is going to be together and it's going to be a different journey than what they've gone through, is how I see it. They're, that whole scene is him saying, I've given up, I've hit my last dinger that got the record. Um, and I'm moving on. Or didn't, moving didn't forward. Talk about it. Yeah, and he's come back to see her because he loves her and. And and he's telling her, saying, "Hey, look, this is what I'm doing. If you want to be, you know, um, I think. Well, he says, I'm thinking. I don't even know if he's committal to it, but he's kind of saying, I'm. This is what he I, says. There's this job of yeah, and she's and like she, pillow talk. Yeah, you and, know, you say it's like yeah, and she's just like something you're really thinking about when you say it to a woman, and you just hope they're like, oh my god, that would be so great for you. Yeah, and That's she's happy. just like, yes, she's just like kind of tearful and says, yeah, I'm down. And they then you know it ends with them dancing happily, and I, I love that actually, <laughs> like. Like I said, I've softened on it a lot more than maybe you have on the ending. Um, well, they're saying uh, he's a terrible dancer. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> also, very bad, also, I noticed little detail is like as like the credits are rolling and this camera slowly zooms in on their shrine, it's Thurman Munson with a candle lit. With an RFP. Yeah. yeah. I, lo- I lo- love that article. Little, love that little detail there. That was cool. Yeah, she has a shrine to baseball, man. Yeah. Like, no joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to bash the movie too much because I really like it. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. The movies aren't. No movie is ever perfect. I don't think. Um, there's some that are close to it, and I, I think this one is pretty close. Like I said the third act. I think in a film like this is going to be really tough because it is 
you know, it's a baseball movie, but it's not a baseball movie. But then once the baseball stuff finishes, it kind of fi- it feels like it's gotten to a point. But then they have to finish off. Annie is too important character just to right. not have her have her because she's she's a woman that's going through like she's had a change throughout the movie as well. So she deserved that that moment. Um, and she, I just think, go ahead. No, I was just saying as I squash a flying ant, let's just flying in here. Um, I think it was like an important like to like have her have her moment of growth out of out of the film too, and see where she was possibly going in her life as well as crash and that maybe you know it's good who knows how their life is going to go as they go to you know visalia and um there's going to be trouble but I, I think there's a genuine connection there and they there's differences between them and how they see life because there's that great conversation when she's when she's trying to say none of this stuff matters you know nuke like with his sex thing and then crash says it doesn't matter if it actually matters it's what you believe works for you and that's such a powerful moment to me. And then that's that, that's that moment that you said, like, you can see it in her eyes. She's like, oh, shit, he's right. You know, well, I, she has because she's been she's been doing this. She's kind of been doing the same thing to him, too, like because she's been giving Nuke things to change the way he's thinking and, and, and help him channel channel his energies in baseball, even though wearing the garters isn't going to fucking change a thing for him. But he thinks it is. And she, and it's when you, and then. So it does. So all right. Yeah, so that's what I mean. It's that a, for a second. That's a, so fil- that's a that's a philosophical thing. Yeah, it's like whatever you think works works. Crash brings that up. Yeah. Yes, Crash brings look, that up. Yeah. Crash, Crash is like, look, you and I know that that doesn't mean shit, but he thinks it means something. Yeah. So it does. Yeah. So in the end, and guess what? The entire time that he thought it meant something, they didn't lose, and that's the whole point. So who gives a shit about what is or isn't? And that's when you realize Andy's this is what is right now. Yeah, and that you, didn't make sense. What I just said, but it like I, if you're playing ball, you know, like it's just yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was just yeah. It's just it shows how like you know they they've helped each other. Like any was doing the same thing, like giving him little things to do to try and make. And he's like you know the breathing out of the right eyelid and. And his shockers are jammed. It was all stuff that came. Trying to make him not think. Yeah, but that stuff all came from Annie, which, which is was what stuff Crash that Crash was doing, yeah. but she did it. Better. Yeah, yeah. Annie did it. If you're wearing stockings and you're messing with them the entire game, you're not going to think about how you're pitching. You're yeah. going to think how they feel. And guess what? He pitched really well. And he's just like, and he, and then when he's talking to himself, he's like, "These feel good." That doesn't make me queer, does it? <laughs> exactly. That shit doesn't fly in 2020. But like, that is also funny. what it meant. Like, it's, it's kind of. Like the way it's written is perfect though, because it's it's kind of like how a guy in that situation would think. And then he's like, he throws a good pitch. He's like, yeah, I'm not queer. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah, it's yeah. So yeah, the whole I mean, the whole film, especially is, back then, so, but, so like, much now. Like looking at that, it's just like it's so stupid. Yeah. That, like, but that's part of sports. Like we were talking about earlier, and I like we were talking about it earlier. It's like that's just part of sports. Is there is this masculinity thing of yeah. It's it's what like that's why this is a sports or this is a movie for sports fans and not a sports movie. Mm. And that's why like so much sports of the thesis of the film everybody. based around like you know the, the channeling between men and women and how they you know you know can empower and and take the power from each other is just so important because they're just they're, there's the mind games going on kind of the whole movie. But and it's not in a negative way. It's just they're trying to help each other. But then they've got to work out that the things that they're doing to each other, um, how they affect others around them. You know, Crash is frustrated, Annie's frustrated, Nuke's just doing his thing. Like it's just all like yeah, I was 
Duke doesn't think about it at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, as soon as he gets called up to the show, he's like, oh, I guess I'm leaving. And he stops like trying to trying to bang her with his old man around the corner. Um, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I, just really, like, I don't like that part of it either. I just don't like the third act. And I, well, I mean, you could consider that like the crest of the third act, I guess. But yeah, I'm not saying I, I don't, love it. I it was like, I. Well, I'm not. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about either. I'm not. It's not a battle about. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Like I, I think it just ended the way it was flowing a certain way, and kind of like it wasn't going to be as the third act wasn't going to be as powerful as the rest of the film. Like because Nuke was gone from the third act, essentially. Um, like, well, he's part well, of it. He gets called up, and then he's gone from like the final part of the third act with, because um, then it becomes and it is essentially crashing any story, and Nuke's just a catalyst for kind of both of them in a way um but but nukes as much a part of the story too because it's also the story about him growing into being a big show player and you know hopefully his control was better than um uh i'm blanking on the name i feel bad now um steve darkowski i think it was yeah all right hopefully, so hopefully his control was better than that because unfortunately his his minor league career was well his baseball career was completely in minor leagues basically just because you know he's his control was his only issue. So I think, and I think the film at least shows that you get some control because of Crash's help with, and Crash and Annie's help. Well, it's not just control, it's maturity too. Yeah. Because yeah. He, if he, like, and that's why they brought Crash. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we So the film is all three of their film, but you know, the, the poster and the artwork and all that stuff was always just Annie and Crash, which I think is, that's why it ended that way too. It's like, it was. Do so you think the, the film is about Annie and Crash? I think it's about the three of them. Uh, I think the end of the film was more important for. It's a cop out. Okay, well, so the end of the film, like the the film, you know, Nuke's ending isn't as powerful as any in Crashes. So in that sense, it is, you know. That's what frustrates me about the third act is I think. But what were you going to do with Nuke? Like he's just he's a young player going on the big show. His you know his romantic romantic stuff isn't going to be a thing in his life for the next few years because he's I a, think he's a young hotshot who probably just wants to go around and bang a few different broads. So, with his loud pop, <laughs> his loud pop, but it, I think it would have been more powerful. It's a movie about Annie and the fact that Crash isn't there at the end. I think I think that makes it a more powerful film. Yeah, because I don't think we know who the film is about now, and I think the third act, because kind of like we've talked about, the the first two acts are about baseball, and the third act's about romance, and there's not enough blend of romance into the first two acts for it. And again, I love this film. And I guess to me there is a bit more because the movie's always like you know Crash is always kind of yeah even the batting you know, the batting cage it, it, scene, batting cage it, scene and all that stuff you know all that there's I, like, I, yeah I watched the batting cage scene the other day again and I was just like this isn't as powerful as I thought it was I think it's because Susan Sarandon doesn't actually have a good swing yeah. it's like you got it like get her in a cage for like six months before the movie. If she's going to be giving advice to batters, she needs to have a better swing than that. She's all arms, man. Mm. Like, not, it's not a good swing. And, like, I think there's, like, very... Wow. What I was going to say was extremely gra- grammatically incorrect. There's <laughs> a lot of points where Annie, like, where there's, you know, a hole in Annie's roofing that sh- that shines into a little bit of... Like that, she's a little bit full of shit sometimes, mm-hmm. and and that batting scene is. But like, so many people are 
entranced by the charisma that those two have in that scene together, which is off the charts, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's because it is that like incendiary moment before like you know two people really decide if they're into each other and everything. Well, they already know they're into each other. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, yeah. I yeah. I don't know. I, I'm just talking right now. <laughs> I think it's clear we both love it. Like it's it's and that's what's. Good. I love the film. Yeah. I just I, there's ways I would improve it. But if uh, if if I had it my way, I'm sure I'd be complaining about the way that it was that it was when I made it. You know yeah. I mean? Well, that's the thing. I was like, I I'm I don't think it's a perfect ending. I just don't I don't dislike it either. I'm just like it's. I kind of can't think of how I would do it better in the sense of um just. I wanted to. I would. I. You know. It's nice to see the ending. Like the them dancing at the end is just a nice, warm ending. And I. I kind of. I didn't want an unhappy ending to that movie. Whatever an unhappy ending might have been, I didn't want that because that movie is so. As as much conflict as is in the movie between the characters, it's not like it's not really negative, harsh human conflict. It's just conflict that human like. You know, and it's very much you got to look in. They're, they're all looking into this, doing some soul searching, but it's a fun way. It's a fun look into that stuff as well. Um, and I just, I don't think the way the film ended just felt right. Like I had, I had, I felt good every time I watched the movie. I just feel good at the ending. Nukes, nukes on up to the big show, um, and and any and Crash are genuinely happy, and that makes me happy because they're both kind of conflicted throughout the film a little bit. So, you know, Crash is dealing with the end of his career and he's dealing with you know maybe she's at the end of her line of doing what she's done for maybe 20 years at that point I know Susan Sarandon was 40 when that movie was made so I'm just a, I atta- good god I attached <laughs> I attached that he looks so old my entire life and then I just watched this at 31 and was like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah you see it yeah it's like it's like oh yeah no and the fact that she's 40 then is like yeah um but yeah, she's so I attached that. So I'm like, she was probably if her character was a similar age, she's coming to the end of the line of her. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she's a fucking professor. Yeah. Or, I mean, oh, I mean, part time professor, but like, she was definitely not considered to be young. She wasn't yeah. Millie. Millie's like, Millie. She was doing to Millie what Crash was doing to Nuke, mm. except Millie had nowhere to go. And I don't like that storyline really either. I mean, I think it's a cheap laugh, but I I, I think it ruins a movie that has a lot of depth to it. Yeah, that, yeah, no, Millie, that storyline Millie. doesn't have a lot of depth. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> but whatever, it added a lot of comedy to it, and it's whatever. And like, they probably got divorced after six months. Yeah, and, and that uh, shit. We went back to. And that shit probably happens down those leagues too. They meet someone that they're at a team they're playing. Maybe I it was based on something. Yeah, probably. I haven't read anything about that in particular, but. Yeah, we don't know. There is another scene, particularly there is another scene that was meant to be in the movie that they cut. Was that the uh, the oh into this? I the, am into this. The uh, the clown Matt Max Patkin, the clown prince of baseball, Max. was actually meant to die during the film because you know how at the start of the movie he talks about how he'd spread his ashes on the field. Yeah, they they actually they filmed a funeral for him, and there's one scene where uh, one of the night night games where Annie is wearing a black veil. That's because they she was wearing that still from the funeral. <laughs> But they decided to cut it out of the film because they didn't think... That's it. pretty dark. Yeah, I well, mean, that's what... So, you know, that, and they probably cut it out for the right reasons. It just would have added a... It doesn't change... Well, he's anything. dead now, so cheers to him. Yeah, yeah. All right. Maybe his soul went into me in 89. I don't know. <laughs> um, 
I remember him being more ridiculous when I was younger. But that, so, I mean, that's just younger eyes looking yeah. at it. I mean, his facial expressions and the way he moves and the the whole car, he, he still looks pretty ridiculous. I think, but I've only I've only watched it as an adult, so it's a it's a really interesting dynamic that you've grown up with the movie, whereas I've only watched it since I was what twenty four, twenty five. So, well, I went into watching it when I did the rewatch for this podcast, um, yeah. and thinking that it just starts with the. I don't know what the song is called, but it's like, da, da, da. you know, the song that he dances to right away. Three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock rock, that one. Whatever that is. Rock around the it's clock. It's not the Happy Days song, though. That's the Happy Days song. Yeah, that's ha- that's literally a Happy Days song, but it is like Rock Around the Clock or whatever it is. Yeah, that's. Oh, is it? Yeah. When Parkside's for? Yeah, da, that's, da. The, that's the song that he's dancing to, like, after the... After the whole monologue starts, I haven't like, heard the full Happy Days song, so I, I whatever. Happy Days is a different song. That's like one, two, three, four. Happy Days, five, six, seven, eight. Happy no, it's Monday, days. Tuesday. Happy. Oh, days. is it? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Let's I see, only you re- know that you remembered I worked, it. <laughs> I worked at a local business where, for catering, we had on Scotch tape Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and. One of my coworkers took Scotch tape and put Happy Days after each of the, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah. yeah. But That's yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. It's a... Support your local businesses if you're still listening to this. Jesus Christ! If you are, seek medical help. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's like you know you've got the time to listen to a two-hour podcast about a movie at this point. So, yeah, you do, and you and you deserve our content. Because where else are you going to get this? Yeah, I don't see too many Bull Durham podcasts. No, I'm now. sick of it. <laughs> we have the best podcast available. Mm-hmm. We break it down. We have a good time. About a, a litany of films. Probably not what that word means. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I feel like we're about wrapped. You got any other thoughts on the film or he pretty much covered it? So many. <laughs> but I'm not. I don't have them written down in front of me, but like I had talked about this shit for six hours. Yeah, well, that's like every film we pick is one that we know that we can talk about for you know, do a yeah, series. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. <laughs> Andre- Sophie's choice or something. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't want to watch that movie, so. We'll find something different again. But let, there's just so many movies that we can choose from. That's what's great about this. And you We've and I- literally done four. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> there's a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's about wraps us up. I think um, done Bull Durham for just under two hours now, and by the time I do all the editing and stuff, it'll be just over two hours as usual. So you know, we've um, done a movie length podcast about a movie, um, which is what's great, and I, I feel like we've done a really good job of covering a film that had so many. For you know, on the surface is such a is you know people just look at it as a sports film. It's got so many layers to it, and even just the creation of the film was really fascinating as well. So, pretty pretty happy to have done this one and chat about it. It's really good. So, yeah, I always wonder what we're going to talk about, and then every time we do it, like I feel like I could talk for hours. So yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, the time time flies, which is good. So yeah, until next time, we'll uh, pour some pints, pop some popcorn, and roll some film. We'll see you next time, Cher. Well, I believe in the soul, the dong, the yaya, always letting a woman walk in front of you, diving for a fly ball when you don't need to, avoiding red meat, good Miller High Life, that I might enjoy the novels of Susan Sautag and then lie about them later. 
I believe that Tom Brady cheated for two of his Super Bowls and should have lost the other four, but got lucky. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing the Tomahawk Chop and Tom Brady. I believe in the day buzz, stupid tattoos, and opening your presents whenever you want them because Christmas is just a Judeo-Christian capitalism in motion. And I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet wine pours that last for two-hour podcasts.